Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from an air vent here in 2019. So much duct work in this movie. So much duct work in this movie <laughs> that was done in 99 here in 2019. Yep. I am one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I am Phyllis Gove. And with us today is the man who selected Blue Streak. It's true. Um, I believe he's a big fan of the movie. Uh, Anupam Nigam. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Hello, uh, Un. Nice to see you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You can just call me Un. <laughs> <laughs> Un writes on Station 19 with Phil. He does. That's right. Um, and I've been told by mutual friends that he is uh, an encyclopedia of television knowledge, not to put you on the spot. Accurate. Thank you. Some people have referred to me as Unipedia. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I mean, know. There are times where. I don't know if that's a compliment. I think but... it's a compliment. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I definitely think in the room, if you want, if you want facts about the awesome. facts of life, for instance, Anupam is your guy. Well, very important show. He speaks to, a to lot this point, <laughs> how are you on Martin history? On which? Oh, Martin. I I watched it when it was when it was airing. I'm not sure I ever watched it in the rerun, so I know a little bit of Martin history. All right. Yeah. I don't think I ever watched it. We might need it for context. Um, I don't. I, do you know much about Martin? No, I okay. but I'll, I'll fake it. Don't worry. Okay. So, uh, but before we get into Martin yeah. Lawrence, Martin television show. And Blue Streak, on. Um, let's learn a, bit, learn a little bit about you. <laughs> so, first, where were you in 1999? Uh, I believe I was doing cholesterol and diabetes research Are for you Johnson and Johnson. We should talk. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah. 
<laughs> do I have diabetes? <laughs> Just I, by looking at you? you I don't do know. He's like, he's a, when I left, I, when I left, I signed numerous non-disclosure agreements oh, wow, about really? the research and stuff. But I can just tell you that without hopefully putting you to sleep is I screened Johnson Johnson's vast drug library huh. almost randomly to see if they had any anti-diabetes or anti-cholesterol effect. Is there like a sequel to The Insider about Un where he like talks of he whistleblows yeah, on the Johnson Johnson? That's right. The Unsider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 99, were you a big moviegoer in 99? Did you – I mean I know that you obviously – you know, decided to move away from from medicine to become a writer. But were you always a big you yeah. know, TV and movie person? Yeah, I was always a big TV and movie person. Just growing up, I'm Indian American. <laughs> and uh, just growing up, I feel like in my house it was India, but movies and television told me what right. is America? Like what world. happens yeah. in uh, other families and houses and stuff. So for me, they were like super important. Sure. Where sure. did you grow up? Uh, New Jersey. Where New Jersey? Uh, a small – well, I grew up in one town called Westfield and then we moved to another town nearby, not far from there. What was the other one called? Wachung? I don't know. I'd be amazed I'm if I'm from Westchester. It. Oh, OK. So cool. I'm from the region, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know Wachung. Yeah. Wachung <laughs> is like Native American for boring. <laughs> 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 Wonderful place to grow up, yeah, by the way, sure. but not much going on. <laughs> I, I think that's what you want yeah. in, in a place to raise kids. You want boring. Right. I go to my hometown. I'm from Chappaqua, also Native American for – something mm-hmm. and um and i think this is so nice yeah. and boring mm-hmm. and boring right <laughs> it so, was idyllic i don't mean yes. to knock my hometown it was an idyllic place to grow yeah. up and it had a fantastic school system like i learned so much there like i didn't realize how good it was till i went to college right and, and like i was like what yeah i learned calculus in high school why is that strange oh really <laughs> yeah so, but did you find yourself escaping from the quote-unquote boredom with films and stuff like that yeah i mean I mean, Phil knows I'm a big science fiction fan, mm-hmm. so uh, Escape was probably a big part of it. I'm also a big comic book uh, guy back then, and uh, but sort of still today. And uh, so, yeah, definitely, like, movies and TV were a very big place for me to just sort of figure out what was going on in the world sure. and, and sort of escape and things like that. It was great. Have you looked at other 99 movies and do you have other ones that you love or other ones you would have considered doing? It's funny when Phil said he was doing this podcast – you I mean, laughed at him, obviously. No, I mean, you would think <laughs> I would bet Phil would say, "Well, episode one would be the one he would." Uh, or the talk Matrix. About the one. Matrix was the one that I said immediately when he said ninety nine. I was like, "Oh, the Matrix." Yeah. Uh, so I like to me that was actually the Star Wars movie of that year. To a lot yeah. of people, yes, yeah. that was the I mean, movie where I was like, "Oh, this is like going to change everything," which it did. It, it did, was I also believe. like it was. <clears throat> And not to put too fine a point on this, but it was so much cooler than Star Wars yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Like, and they were going for different things. I mean, Lucas was obviously going for kids, and he wanted Episode One to be a kids movie, and he wanted to, you know, be an entry point for a whole new generation into that series. The Matrix was a hard R. You know, it was it was groundbreaking in so many different ways. Um, it's almost unfair to compare them. Yeah. Is, is sort of what I'm getting at. I like, think, it, I think you know it, what I mean? it is to some yeah. extent. Yeah, yeah, it's. But I, but I understand why also generationally, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're an older person, and by that I mean over the age of probably 16 or 18, The Matrix is just going to be like so much right. fucking cooler than Jar Jar. So how are you not going to – I mean it's like it's, – but but you saw, I mean you saw its influence in everything, everything after yeah. that. Like even like just the show Smallville I think premiered soon after it. And they used all those bullet time. Really? Like whenever Clark was doing stuff, it was all like Matrix VFX. That's so funny. Yeah. I, you know what? I never really got into Smallville. I watched mm-hmm. the pilot. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, because on Sleepy Hollow, they were talking about it all the time. Like Uh Smallville was like a a real 
for what it's worth, a real touchstone. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just, I, I think that had I watched it when it, like, live when it was on, I think it would have had far more of an impression on me. But Well, it was a, it was a beast. It's yeah, a 10 yeah. season show. Yeah, 22, 22 episodes. <laughs> it's season. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But no flights, no tights. Right. Yeah. yeah so, never see a cape. Never flies. Which I think it's like cool. Right. And he flies at the very end, right? I he think? flies at the very end, but it's not him. It's like a CG right. version of him. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I think he was, you know, there's Tom a thing Welling. about a curse, you know, uh-huh. of Superman curse. All right. So oh. I don't think he wanted to wear the costume. That might just be me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> there is something about the yeah. George Reeves and, and Christopher know, Reeve. Christopher and Reeve. Margot yeah. Margo Kidder sadly had a little. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it does. And of course. Way. Allison Mack from Smallville. Well, that's a whole other thing. So are you a Martin Lawrence fan? Uh, I would say yes. I would say I remember him. I probably watched the movie House Party a million times mm-hmm. growing up. Kid and Play. Party. Yeah, Kid and Play. Exactly. And they're the stars. He's just like a guy in the movie with like bad breath. And he's like the <laughs> DJ. So I always, I always thought it was funny that he's the one that kind of broke from that movie, you know. I have a weird thing with Kid and Play, which is I've seen House Party maybe once and House Party 2 maybe 30 times. <laughs> I've seen Class Act 100,000 times. <laughs> I've seen Class Act 100,000 times. I, why is it that Class Act is the one that I always uh, – What is Class Act? Sorry, guys. I, their, don't, I don't know that one. It's Kid and Play's non-House non Party, party movie. movie. It's <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect What's movie. the concept? It's a role-switching oh. movie where Kid is like the super nerd. Uh-huh. Play is just getting out of juvie, right? Yeah, yeah. Blade, Blade Brown. Yeah. yeah. And Blade Brown, that's yeah. right. And uh, <laughs> through some happenstance, they're both starting at a new school that year, and their folders get mixed up. It's the 21 Jump Street conceit, yeah, right? They're that's like right. Their pictures are just on the – 21 Jump Street stole from Class Act, obviously. Mm-hmm. Their, pictures, obviously. their pictures wind up on the wrong files. files. So like – Kid, the big nerd, has to be like tough Blade Brown, and mm. Blade, like the tough guy from Juvie, has to be like uber genius. Oh, kid, okay. And it just, and then there's some weird thing at a wax museum and yeah. fighting. There's and, a oh, drug subplot. Drug Karen Parsons is in Karen it. Karen Parsons, and the, you know they I each meet watch it women in their respective universes, and you sort of expect them to realize, oh, I should switch and go with the <laughs> the woman I should be with, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Like the the sort of play who's the real Blade Brown stays with Karen Parsons, who's this very uh, smart kind of uh, kind of nerdy, right? Yeah, it's like a Shakespeare girl. Shakespeare loving uh, woman. And then I don't know the name of the actress who plays. Uh, I don't even remember. I remember Karen Parsons. So very how well, did but... Kid and Play become a thing? I House guess party. is my question. House well, they, they were rappers. I mean, they were all yeah. They already had. Oh, they were. Oh, so okay. They were they were they were a rapping duo, if yeah. you will. Yeah. And then they and then they got this this movie. Yeah, yeah and Christopher Reed, who is. Kid, mm-hmm. like he did the Bill Maher theme song. He does theme songs yeah. now okay. a lot. Like he's That's still, right. and he Which produces sure. music. He's okay. still pretty active okay. yeah. in his own way. But um, class act. I wish was that ninety nine yeah. movie class act. No, I don't think I, it was. I don't, Probably so, mid nineties, unfortunately. So so Martin Lawrence comes into prominence through stand up. Through is that sort of? I, I forgive me. I don't. Yeah. I don't I think stand up, and then eventually the sitcom. And he had, a, I think, one of his stand-up specials. I don't know if it was during Martin was like banned, right? It was so graphic. <laughs> yeah, he was like two degrees further than Eddie Murphy. Right. Um, Interesting. Okay, so he was so he, but he does start in that class act. By the way, nineteen ninety two. So so not close. <laughs> but I will I will say though, I do remember this poster. Now that I think about it, this poster of the of their yeah, that's right yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. I do remember <laughs> That's that. The flick. It also has like Rhea Perlman in it. 
now, guys, now I got to now I got to watch. It has another action. Martin co-star in it, Thomas McCall Ford. I want to say. Oh, this is great. He's like the drug, the guy who runs the drug organization. Kid is messing up the drug organization in the school. There's like a super tough yeah. guy who sells drugs, and when Blade, the fake Blade Brown, comes on the scene, he like messes everything up. So there are drug dealers after them. Oh, like, it's so, and then he sounds, raps later. This actually in the movie. sounds fantastic. It's, I'm not, not going to lie, this sounds fantastic. They, both of these guys, <clears throat> especially Kid, but they're both they're really charming. Yeah. I There's a reason I watched it a thousand times. It's definitely a watchable movie. It also has Meshach Taylor. Who's that? Uh, he was on Designing Women. He was like the one guy. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes. I remember. Course, this, is, this, this is already paying dividends. <laughs> <laughs> now you're starting to see what I'm talking yes, about. This is this yeah. has been great. So, um, okay. So I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Martin Lawrence. So he's what's happening now? He's on that television show, which I guess ran for a season, which I, I well, have not it, seen. It it's like, a reboot of what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Then he's in Do the Right Thing in 89, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. again, I kind of forgot that he was in. He's in the Kid and Play TV show. He was a voice. Okay. Um, and uh, so then he's in House Party 2. He's in Boomerang, mm-hmm. which I hear is a good show, by the way. The new Boomerang. Yeah, we're in the yeah. new Boomerang. It's a good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bad Boys feels like that's his, that's his coming out, right? Bad Boys is 95, pretty, and that's, that's – that, yeah. I would I say Bad Boys sh- made him a movie. So the show was already on the, on the air. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, the yeah. show was going You're right. Well. The movie yeah. starts – sorry, the show starts in 92. My apologies. Mm-hmm. So, so it's basically the two – Biggest young African American yeah. comedic yeah. actors who also are credible as action stars working yeah, right. together. I think Bad Boys. I think Bad Boys is is really a cut above everything else he's ever done, with the exception of Life. I which, saw it once, and I Life is great, and yes. he's great in Life. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bad Boys, I saw once, I think maybe, and just don't remember a ton about it, other than yeah. it was obviously Michael Bay's big. Right, I was his feature debut, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, well, it was. It was definitely his first hit. I don't know if it was his first I'll look it movie. Up. I mean, he obviously had done a ton of music videos before that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, it, it was the first. I feel like it was his first right. feature. I think it was. Note. It was like watching a two-hour movie video. Music, music video. video. Oh, yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah. he. It looks, it looks it does, amazing. I don't care what anyone says. It's, the aesthetic yeah. of that movie but is, it, is he so. he started something is yeah. the thing about that. Like so, you yeah. see that film and you're like, oh, so this is, this is, the, this is the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. And then everyone <clears> just copies the shit out of it, including himself from now until the end of time. But. I remember when it came out, I felt like, gosh, it's been a long time since I've seen a movie like this. I feel like I grew up on stuff like Miami Vice and stuff, which was all slick, cool cop stuff. Yeah. And this sort of went away for a little bit. Yeah. And then when this movie came out, like Bad Boys, I was like, oh, wow. I feel like it's been a while since I saw like a straight up action movie. Yeah. Where, you know, like it was just shot that certain way. And 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 an R-rated movie too, which yeah. – which, and we'll talk about this a little more as we get into Blue Streak. But I think one of Blue Streak's problems is it's not a hard R. Um, but – I will say that this that Bad Boys is is definitely sort of akin to, and they get away from this too. Like when Michael Bay's you know clones start to come out and Bruckheimer starts to clone the hell out of him, they're not all R rated movies. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd say like mm-hmm. maybe a third of them are, are most of them are PG. Yeah. It's really just that sheen, that slickness of that music video quality of of, of action that Michael Bay is obviously very good at. I think Michael Bay movies work together like like Swiss watches. I always have. Like I do. I think they they just fit together perfectly. And I love Michael Mann, but I think everything Michael Mann did before <laughs> Bad Boys, including movies I'm crazy about, like mm-hmm. Manhunter, I think you see the seams mm-hmm. in a way you don't in Michael Bay movies. 
Oh, that's that's just interesting. Me. Yeah, I will say, I, like, I don't disagree with that. Watching The Rock in the theaters was like one of the best roller coaster rides you go in, in an action movie. The Rock is it's my favorite. The Rock is my movie. favorite Michael Bay film mm-hmm. for sure. Um, <clears throat> and and I know that 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 it sounds like I'm a Michael Bay hater because you're maybe just such a, a lover of I'm, Michael Bay. I'm quite the lover. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that I. It, I find him a little exhausting and, and it feels as though he's – as time has progressed, I feel like his stuff has just gotten more and more and more exhausting and just bigger and bigger and bigger and and not in a good way. I think that the early stuff in his career, Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon feels like the moment when he's like, OK, well, now we're just going to blow up the world every time as opposed to telling a good story. Like The Rock works because A, it's a great action film, but B – it's a good script. It's like it's a good action movie. Like it's got the bones there, whereas he stops caring about script at yeah. a certain point. There, there's an argument to be made that Michael Bay has only made two good movies. That Bad <laughs> Boys and The Rock are the only two actually good movies. Uh, I think Transformers is much better than it has any, any right to I be. I think the, the first, first one. one. The first one. I mean. Yes. The first much one better than any right to be and actually felt kind of – it, it kind of felt refreshing being in the theater and seeing mm-hmm. the way he took that on. And I think Armageddon's pretty good. I think everyone else hates it in the world, but I think it's pretty good. I think Armageddon's fine. When the deep impact Armageddon debates were happening, sure. I was 100% in the Armageddon camp. That, that's what I want out of it. Well, a, you put it next to deep impact. Exactly. Sure. And by the way, like. I like deep impact I, too, by the way. I, I, <laughs> there's some nice moments in deep impact. Yeah, yeah they're great I like moments. The, the Taylor yeah. dying with her dad is, yes. is a great scene. I brought that up scene. a couple of podcasts yeah. ago. Yeah. It's, it's just like very few movies have the balls to do that. Yeah. So I respect that. And Armageddon is fun. That's. Transformers One is also good in comparison to the other other Transformer movies, which are, you get diminishing returns as it continues. But all of this is to say that Bad Boys is a good movie. We all yes. agree that it's a fun action movie, totally. and it launches Martin Lawrence as a potential movie star at that point. Right. Um. So then he does nothing to lose, which I've never seen. Right. Uh, in ninety seven, we yeah. oh right, I've never seen that. Then he does Life and Blue Streak are both ninety nine. Right. And then it's Big Mama's house and kind of all bets are off. But uh, Life in Blue Streak is an interesting kind of one-two punch for him in 99. Uh, and Blue Streak feels like it wants to be his Beverly Hills cop. Definitely. Right? Definitely his Axel Foley. His for sure. Being feels Foley. like that's what he's going yeah. for. The difference, of course, is kind of what I was getting at, which is an R versus a PG rating. And – it apparently Blue Streak was supposed to be an R-rated movie, at least from what I've read online, and that it it essentially deviated towards the PG-13 when they mm-hmm. thought that there was more money to be made. Right. And truthfully, it might have been the right gambit, considering that this movie had a very high budget. I mean, sixty-five million dollars for this movie in nineteen ninety-nine—that's a—that's a hundred and right. probably hundred and ten million today. It's a lot of money to put on a guy who has not necessarily proven that. Mm-hmm he can hold a movie himself. I will also say his character on his sitcom yeah. was very goofy. Right. So it wouldn't surprise me that he had a young uh, fan base sure. coming off that TV show. Cause he also played multiple characters on that show. Oh, too. Okay. He did. And uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if someone was just like, yeah, but a lot of teenagers like his TV show. You know, the interesting thing about Martin was it represented sort of Fox's decision to be like, we're going to go after the viewers people Mm -hmm. aren't going after, which was Mm -hmm. at the time African-American viewers. So it was like Martin, Living Single, Rock, you know, South Central, New York Undercover. They went after that. Mm -hmm. that, I feel like Martin was on sort of like the forefront. He was one of the first ones. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's and, interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that like he had a younger fan base, so they're like, why? Well, we want thirteen and fourteen year olds to get. Right. And the worst part of this sense. movie, in my mm-hmm. opinion, is the pizza delivery shtick. Oh, yes. And that mm-hmm. is a that is a playing the hits type moment to me. Mm-hmm. That's like play piano man, right? Because to <laughs> Un's point, yeah. those were the kind of characters who yeah. would populate kind of the the periphery of Martin's world. Yeah, it was often drag characters. Yeah, but um, because it yeah. sticks out like a sore thumb in this movie. He doesn't. Dress up at any other point in this movie. Because the movie's much better than that. Yeah. It's a very – it's like just the optics of it weren't good. It's no. definitely a character you would see delivering a pizza to Martin on the sitcom Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I'm just going to do the synopsis just for the people who have not seen Blue Streak. Yeah. I'm ready to get into this movie. <laughs> oh, boy. I want to I say one more thing about this. Okay. This movie joins an exclusive club for me with 1999 movies. Oh, boy. Uh this movie and Dudley Do Right are the only two I've watched twice. You, <laughs> really? So I oh, and man. and I wait. You've not seen episode one? No, no. Oh, I'd seen he, things he, within the within, within like the, the a context week or so. of. Oh, I see. You know, I like this movie so much. I need to watch it again. I see. That was okay. really what happened with Dudley Do Right. Yeah. Dudley Do Right was like, I just need more Dud. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I can't give me some Dud. Give me more Dudley. But um, this movie was half refresher. But I was just gonna kind of. Kind I of, only watched it once. I was so. going to kind of have it on in the background while I did other stuff, mm-hmm. and I could not pull my eyes away from it the second time. I think if you watch it again, you'd like it even more. I, I think that might be true. I, I you're going to like it more after this podcast, too. That's my prediction. I don't doubt it. I, I will say I watched it a little hastily in the fact that like I watched it in a very sort of tight window where I was like, I need to watch this movie now, which is not necessarily fair maybe to the movie. So – I will say that. I'll say um, one brilliant thing about the movie before mm, you launch into the synopsis because yeah. it will inform the synopsis. I also – I think, Phil, also we have a love of movies that have great taglines on the posters. <laughs> That's right. Blue Streaks is in my top five. It's a good one. <laughs> He's a cop. That's not. <laughs> oh, no. Brilliant. <laughs> you know what the movie is. <laughs> you know what that movie is after that. It's up there with – my favorite, of course, is in space. No one can hear you scream Which because is. it's scientifically accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and then the best one, like everyone throws stuff at me. I think it's a brilliant tagline: "Is underdog," which is one nation underdog. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's good. It is brilliant. It's better than the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I mean, uh, he's, he's a, a cop, cop but he's not. Is no, it's he's a cop who's not, right? That's not. He's oh, a cop, that, which I don't think is grammatically correct. I think you have to say who <laughs> if it's a person. He's you a cop. <laughs> that's great. Uh, that, so I, I think that I swear to God, I think that speaks to the brilliance of this movie. <laughs> I, there, there are so many things in this movie that have taken with a grain of salt and the right the way. largest grain of salt. Yeah, take, yeah, take an enormous grain of salt. Take a you know bowling ball sized grain of salt with this. But if you if you kind of accept it in the spirit it's given, which that's how I, th- I think this movie really intends to not particularly be taken seriously. Yeah, it's wonderful. I just want to. We need to add a, a, a asterisk to this tagline, okay? Because it is the tagline, mm-hmm. but there's another part to it. It says, "All right." <laughs> A phrase he uses in the movie frequently. <laughs> it's, he's a cop that's not believe that. Believe that. It's believe that. Um, believe, in the movie, it's believe that. It's believe that. Which that's when right. Luke Wilson tries to replicate, he's trying to tell a story of what Miles did in the movie, and he has to say that line. It's very funny. I want to say, say one more thing. Okay. Yeah, please, please. <laughs> when we do our – and I was thinking about this on the way over, um, listening to the Blankies, mm-hmm. um, the finest two hours podcasting. 
you'll find in a year. But when we do our 102 in review, I think yeah. we should do 102 because it's, you know, it rhymes. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Luke Wilson is a strong contender for Best Supporting Actor. He's really good in this movie. He is a completely plays on his strengths as, really as just does. a person, too, I think. Yes. Just like good nature. Makes, so them, sweet so that you smoothie. buy yeah. his naivete mm-hmm. and then you buy the turn at the end. Right. He he approaches Martin Lawrence's character in the way the audience should approach Martin Lawrence's character. He's non-judgmental. He's right. not critical. He gives him the benefit of the doubt. He mm-hmm. lets him kind of reign over him. Yeah. He assumes that he knows what he's talking about. And I think that's what you learned about the Martin Lawrence character as you move forward with the movie. The guy is really smart. Right. I think I, I have I, – honestly, I have some kind of – I've intellectualized this movie too to some extent. Um, and well, I think it's I think it's such a more interesting yeah. – such a more interesting movie than I think anybody would ever give it credit for. Let's do – if you want to get into uh, – Yeah, let me give you the synopsis. How about synopsis and context? Context and synopsis. Uh, When a heist goes wrong, Thief Miles, played by Martin Lawrence, hides a diamond at a construction site before he's arrested. After serving two years, Miles returns to the location of his treasure and finds it's now a police station. Disguising himself as a recently transferred officer to infiltrate the building, Miles stops an escaping thief while trying to retrieve the jewel. Impressed by his quick action, Superior Rizzo... Uh, partners him with the bumbling detective Casey, played by Luke Wilson. Blue Streak opened on September 17th in first place with $19.2 million, mm-hmm. ahead of For Love of the Game. Uh, it would go on to make $117 million worldwide on a $65 million budget. Blue Streak has 36% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics Insane. and 64 from audiences. Ooh, well, audiences polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of an A. This is, a, this is one of those movies where plays for the audience. Yeah doesn't play for the critics and and, and that's would, fine it would today okay I, I no i do i really think it would today i think it's i think i, I think in a world where fast and the furious has 95 percent mm-hmm. that's a world true. where john wick that's has 95 percent that's true i think that and i'm not saying it's like those movies i'm just saying people have a, a more open mind yeah. to different kinds like, of we're more open to commercial movies yes. being really good like black panther exactly yeah. uh, i want to make one, one point about that synopsis which was actually a very good synopsis by google um, we're doing Happy Texas next week, which you know Phil and I think is the sweatiest fucking movie of all time. <laughs> sweatiest, sweatiest this movie's pretty sweaty. This movie's this movie's A leads to B leads to C. When you when you read that off, okay, he's a jewel thief. He hides it in a building. The mm-hmm. building becomes a police office. That's your one buy. Mm-hmm. How do you infiltrate a police off a poli- uh, police department? Yeah. Become a cop. Perfect makes perfect sense. And I ask you, in a heist movie, how many heist movies in Act One does the guy get caught? That's usually, none. usually you show them being well, cool out of sight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. It's the only one. Yeah. But uh, but sometimes the heist goes wrong in Act One, which yes, necessitates yes, yes, yes. them doing what they're doing for yes. the rest of the movie. But yes. like he gets like other than that, like it's like Austin Powers Gold Member Doctor Evil gets yeah. caught at the end of Act One. I, just to be clear, because I texted texted Kenny about this the other day. My my issue with the conceit of this film isn't the conceit because i actually think the conceit is quite clean it's that it i couldn't i couldn't shake it like i found myself watching it just being like but what but why why did he have to go away for two years why would he think that this diamond would stay in this air duct for two years and that no one at any point during the construction of this building like or just the 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 the, why not I mean, if I was him getting out of jail, you're right. Maybe I bet those two years in jail as he was sweating. Like, what if they tear the building down? Yeah. What if they didn't finish construction or something like that? But you got to check. You got to check at least. Yeah. 
Okay. This, this, <laughs> no, but it's true. The, yeah. The, the, yeah. You, any human, I think, would check in that situation. I just, I found myself just. There's a million dollars in that. No, I know. I, 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 it's it's Split more four ways. It's also who is selfish for that. It's a little bit what his character is too. Because what does he do? The first thing he gets out of jail is he goes to visit a woman who never came to visit him in jail. That's yeah. interesting. You know, it's just like his character. It feels like he's just a guy who has like got a lot of hopes and dreams, and maybe rationalizes that things are going to be okay. And another, it's just, another great yeah. move with the movie. Mm-hmm. There is no romantic B plot. Right. They tease it, mm-hmm. but it's not there. It's. I, and obviously it has an awful Octavia Spencer joke mm-hmm. and Oof. there are a couple unfortunate jokes like early yeah. in this movie. But, you know, if you can kind of breeze past that for a minute. Um, I love that. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love that that they they, 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 they kind of hint at the tropes of man out of prison mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. don't play them. Yeah. I, yeah Even I, the name I, I just, just, stuff. To, just to be clear, didn't hate this movie, guys. I, I, I didn't hate this movie. I thought I, it, it's the passion's for, coming through no matter what. For what for what the movie is, I think it succeeds. I just think that it's it's doing a lot of gymnastics at times, and it has to explain itself a lot yeah. to keep him a cop, mm-hmm. to keep this thing moving. That they kind of double down, triple down, quadruple down on its premise. Mm-hmm. That at a certain point, for me anyway, it wears a little bit thin. You know, when you when you <clears throat> like the Dave Chappelle stuff. Is funny, but it's like you gotta. There's a lot of work you got to do to keep this thing afloat. And I don't think you. And, and I think that they do all the work by maintaining the tone, mm-hmm. as Hunter Covington said. Maintain, it's all the tone. Maintaining, yeah. maintaining a light, irreverent tone, that. and having his superiors mm-hmm. kind of be rubes, kind of be desperate, kind of, kind of be willing to go along with this because he is <clears throat> very good at what he's doing. I agree because he has yeah. a. a, a Criminals mentality. Yeah, um, it flies for me. I, I, yeah. I bought into all these like things that you're bumping on. To me, the moment yeah. that I agree with you, where I, when I was watching the movie, that I was like, okay, now they're working hard to keep to get an act three out of this movie, is when the diamond falls into the vital piece yeah, of evidence that. that's on its way <laughs> to a drug sting. Yes, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, and and the fact that like, and and this is this is funny. So I'm not I'm not dinging this so much as that that his job has to keep changing. Yeah. That. That he's then FBI, that he's then, you know, uh, federal. And then oh, it's like, that's awesome. Like, it's, I, it's, internal it's, affairs. Stuff, internal yeah, yeah, affairs. Yeah, it's like his job. That, that worked for me. I'm going to read a little bit of Ebert's review. Ebert gave it three stars out of four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Streak ranks in the upper reaches of the cop buddy genre, up there in lethal weapon territory. It has the usual ingredients for a cop comedy, including obligatory Dunkin' Donuts product placement. But it's assembled with style, and it's built around Martin Lawrence's performance that deserves comparison with Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy, with a touch of Mel Gibson's zaniness in the midst of action. Mm-hmm. Great review. <laughs> Dead on. That is that is how I feel. So the thing I the thing the the first time I saw this and and in my head I didn't think it was like a masterpiece, which I think it is now. Um, I thought it was good. I liked it, yeah. and they do very little work in Act One to establish who Martin Lawrence is. Um, in general, that bothers me. It doesn't bother me when you have a movie star. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this speaks to me. This speaks to the value. Of a movie star, you know, um, pl- n- playing not against playing within the, the playing the, the type he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to do that much work with a Martin Lawrence to get you bought in. So you save right. twenty minutes of screen time. You know, the way he handles situations, the way he approaches situations, he couldn't be more in the pocket 
than yeah. he is in this movie. I, I really – I didn't expect to be as, as along for the ride as I was because I never really considered myself a Martin Lawrence fan. I agree. But he is so no, funny this, he's, this na- he's definitely nailing this. There's, mm-hmm. there's no question that from the jump you're like, okay – he knows what he's doing here and, and he's killing it. I, 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 the direction at time was a little cartoonish to me, um, which is, listen, I think it's fine. Absolutely. You know, Les Mainfield, uh, the director of it, he did Encino man, he did flubber. Um, you know, those are the two biggest movies on his credits for the most part. He did a remake of miracle on 34th. He did a remake. Yeah. With, uh, Attenborough, Attenborough, I believe. Mara Wilson. So like, there's definitely something very kind of, um, charming, family friendly about him again, which makes <clears throat> sense to pivot towards the PG 13 rating. Um, it seems so, like his yeah. movies are popular when he's given like a single comedic actor mm-hmm. at the center of his movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't think I've seen flubber in its, uh, entirety. It's, it's a kind of a nutty professor remake it or is, something. Yeah. It's not nutty professor. There was a movie called, yeah. Back in the day, there was another movie, but it was called the absent minded. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. That's what it was. But, yeah, so there's a remake of that. But it was which, a Jerry, Lee, it was a Jerry, Jerry Lewis, Lewis movie, movie Jerry as well. Lewis, was the yes, nutty professor, yeah. which I'm surprised they called it flubber. Just called the absent minded. Yeah. Um, I do believe flubber is mentioned in the movie superstar. It is. I'm not mistaken. It is. Cause that was the last podcast of your guys. I, of I uh, station to. 19 writers, <laughs> yeah. Molly Green and uh, James Loeffler. Always comes up. Always comes up. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this was a remake, actually, of a movie called The Big Job from 65, a British film, which I have not seen. Could not find it, by I the way. I couldn't find like, it anywhere. As an Indian, yeah. I have to do my homework. <laughs> and I went looking for it. And couldn't I find couldn't, it. It's not on There's Amazon. There's a Wikipedia page was all that I could glean. Yeah, but I feel like all the Wikipedia yeah, page said was in 1999, this was <laughs> <The> remake. <laughs> Basically it. But it was a remake, for what it's worth. Um, I think it's interesting. We talked about sort of how in pre-production it was supposed to carry a, an R rating. Studio had... It toned down to PG and had John August do a rewrite of it, which oh, is really? interesting. So that's oh, interesting. Well, when I when I see him at the next WGA event, we're going to fire agents. I will. Uh, <laughs> I will. Right. Un is a big proponent of as well. I imagine. <laughs> did you, did right. you go He's to our the, uh, captain or WGA you, captain? You go to the event. Would, I went to one of them. Yeah, the, I yeah. was at the Universal one. Right? I was at the uh, the one at the theater, the yeah. Writers Guild Theater. John so. August up there on the dais telling us that we should do it. Mm-hmm. We haven't spoken about it yet. No, me. we'll talk right. about it. By the time this podcast airs, we will probably fire. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, Interesting but, thing also is from yeah. the the writers. It looks like it's it was written by a team. Yes, and then the creator of Grimm. Is, yes. Uh, also, yeah, which is interesting. So, a lot yeah. of a lot of TV, a lot of you know, TV influences got, going you know, on. So. It is interesting how I mean now it feels like you got a lot more. It's kind of going both <coughs> ways now. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of feature people working in the TV space, a lot of TV people working in the feature space. But back then, really very separate camps. You didn't yeah. really see a lot of a lot of cross pollination for the most part. It was classes. There was yeah. a, yeah. it was, yeah. was an upper no, class sure. and a lower sure, class, sure, and, sure. you know. But today mm-hmm. it's it's the same shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so according to Dave Chappelle on the Oprah Winfrey show, uh, there was a scene written during it where his character was to dress uh, up like a, a woman, like as a prostitute. Uh, and Chappelle adamantly refused. And the Chappelle writers doesn't com- do that. Yeah. The writers complained to the producers who then tried to convince Chappelle to do the scene, but he refused. And according to Chappelle, he felt it was part of a disturbing trend in which African-American men wear dresses yeah. in films, um, which I think is interesting. Um, at this stage, I mean, we actually have a fair amount of Chappelle in 99. We've got him in 200 cigarettes. We have him in um, – god damn it, there was something else. Hold on. But uh, I just I, – I respect that at this point in his career, mm-hmm. and he would show it. As, as his career continued, that there's just lines for him. Yeah. That he's just like, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't give a shit. And I'm sure you know this. Mm-hmm. 
there was a great episode of 30 Rock. Definitely, yeah. Dealing with this exact idea where mm-hmm. Tracy Jordan was giving the, the, the pros and the cons of dressing in yeah. drag and citing just a, just a ream of examples of yeah. black comedians who do it and black comedians who won't do it. Yeah. The, they have a writer, a, a character on the show named Tufer, mm-hmm. who comes and says, this yeah. is basically the, the the man's way of emasculating you. This is like the man's way of making you like less scary or something like that. Huh. And so he doesn't do it. And then in the, the episode, they he let a white to- guy do it. And it becomes a hu- super huge uh, oh, yeah, my popular bon, character. Bon, That's right. Don't make me come over there and hit you with my boom boom. Yeah, I my boom boom. <laughs> And yeah, then, that guy got wrote. That yeah, got written out. Yeah, Josh yeah. was the character. Yeah, the poor guy. And then Tracy gets so mad at Tufer. He's like, Eddie does it. Martin does it. Everyone does. Flip Wilson does it. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah, oh yeah, because yeah, Tufer, R- R- you know, Cosby doesn't do it, and mm-hmm. Pryor doesn't do it. And he he listed off all the guys who didn't do it. It was a very compelling argument. Yeah. And then yeah, Tracy came back with all the big guys who do do it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that he chose to put his foot down and not do this at this point in his career, which is still, you know, up until this point, he's really has not done a ton of stuff. He's in, he's got, you know, uh, he's in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh, he's in Con Air. Uh, but again, small roles. He's in Half Baked. Then he does. Nutty professor. Uh, yeah. Is he in the Yeah, he's a stand-up comedian. You're right. Yes, of course. Chappelle. Chicks be shopping. (laughs) Chappelle never fails to make an impression. Mm -hmm. Con Air, Air, he's he's memorable. Yep. He's just, there's there's no one like him. I think the the only movie that doesn't utilize him, I think, is You've Got Mail. I was literally just going to say, You've Got Mail, he's just He's he's just just Tom Hanks' friend. He doesn't really do anything in that. He's in 200 Cigarettes, which we're going to get to in a couple weeks. He's in Star Wars Born. Should have gotten, um, no. I'm the only one. Uh, Me and David Sims are the only ones left who love that movie, right? It seems that way. Yeah, it's crazy. He's actually very funny for me in a movie. Maybe if you like Blue Streak, you'll probably like Undercover Brother. Oh, Undercover Brother. <laughs> he's the lead in that, yeah. right? Is what? he the lead in that? No, it's Eddie Griffin. He's no, he's is. Conspiracy Brother. Conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the guys in the crew. Yeah. Um, but then he does Chappelle show in 2006 and, you know, yeah. has this unbelievable skyrocketing sort of fame. The show <laughs> is an enormous success. And then he kind of just – says i'm not i'm not interested and kind of walks away dave Chappelle for me is is one of the i don't know maybe there are probably 30 to 50 americans who are in that rarefied era the kind of people who could be interviewed on dave letterman show mm-hmm. yeah right oh, my I next hope that'd be great my next that. guest needs my Lower next checker, guest needs yeah. no, no interu- interruption you have like your obamas and your jay-z's and your elder generouses and those type of people, Chappelle is on that list. I agree. Um, that's kind of amazing, you know. It happens with standups. I mean, yeah. well, but. there's, I mean, even just the fact that, like, and I, I don't, I don't hold SNL up to be some paragon of, of you know, political insight. But having Dave Chappelle be the first guest after Trump's, mm-hmm. uh, was a coincidence. Was it a coincidence? Sure, they didn't know Trump was going to win. Booked it. Yeah, I mean, he'd been booked before that. I think they, oh, they everyone okay. expected Hillary to be. Okay, that's interesting. It was amazing. Yeah, and and he, we just said like one or two small things about it. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say just an yeah, interesting yeah. thing about Chappelle for me is I think after he decided to or bailed on the third season of Chappelle Show, he did Inside the Actor Studio with uh, James Lipton, and he he was very thoughtful and insightful. I think about how recently Martin Lawrence had had a little bit of a public meltdown. Yeah, and Mariah Carey had had a weird moment on Total Request Live. And people were saying crazy things about him, Chappelle, you know, like because he went to Africa. And people were saying, oh, he's on crack and he's having breakdowns. And he was just like, no, 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 you don't understand is sometimes the environment of celebrity is toxic and it poisons you. That's why, like, 
Martin and Mariah had maybe those moments. Mm. They were just in bad environments. They're not crazy people. Yeah. You know, and I just thought that like, you know, I don't doubt it for a second. Like making sense of all that chaos. I thought it was, it was very insightful. I I thought that all of the stuff that all of his interviews that he did, all the things that came out of that, I thought were incredibly insightful, incredibly grounded. He seems like a very genuine, smart guy. And, and, it's very easy for us in this industry, and I imagine for people outside it, to look at some, at a situation like that and think he's thumbing his nose at it or that he's ungrateful. He doesn't seem like an ungrateful guy. I think he actually probably maybe would have loved to to continue to do the show, yeah. but it just felt like untenable to him to, to, to put himself yeah. in that situation yeah. and that his own self-preservation was more important to him and it's, more power to him. It seems, it's like, he, it seems yeah. like he did it. Yeah. It seems like he, you know, he really, he really – he has come back under his own terms. I, and he I, is very good in A Star is Born. I don't, I, I know, I don't mean mm-hmm. to – that's that's the type of movie that I imagine for myself anyway. I might like it more in the future with a little bit of distance from it. I still – as like I said La La to La you – Well, that's maybe, how I feel about uh, it. La I, I think the first – I really enjoyed the first hour of A Star is Born and it just – it became diminishing returns to me as it progressed. But – Go watch it right now. I'm but but I do think – here's on. my question. Do you remember his character's name in yeah, A Star is like Born? It's like noodles, right? Yeah. <laughs> Noodles, I think. Yeah. <laughs> noodles. No, I don't know if they ever actually um, call him by that. George Noodles Stone. I think that because I saw it, you know, in reviews and whatnot. Because I really don't remember him calling him Noodles. I think that there's always a friend in a Star Is Born named Noodles. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of why. okay. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> the movie has a best adapted screenplay nomination. Just putting that out there. Um, they I think did the, adapt a screenplay. It they, is. They, no- they, they did. They mm-hmm. did. Then they they stuck with Noodles. They- <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, you don't, you know, you don't you know take away. They, they stuck with Black Panther yeah. too, okay? You don't take away Superman's cape. Yeah. You got a character you're right, named Noodles. You're right. You, you got it. You run there. with it. Yes, I, I don't know. I, I mean, anyway, um, I, you know, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that Chappelle was good in this movie, but I felt a little bit like he was a little hamstrung. Yeah. There are a couple scenes in it in particular. Um, the one that, that that jumped out at me was the uh, the hangar sequence where they're outside that. It's like the FBI yeah. bust situation, mm-hmm. I think, and they're kind of riffing, and you just you you sense that both these guys want to go mm-hmm. blue or a little bit more R with it, and they're both kind of being <coughs> hamstrung into a PG thirteen box, yeah. which is just a little bit of a disappointment. That's yeah. you know, really yeah. all that I'm saying. When I when I rewatched, and I said there were some optics in it that weren't great. A lot of them are around Chappelle. There's a lot of police brutality yeah. <laughs> in the movie, even though he's not actually a police <laughs> officer, but there are cops watching mm-hmm. <laughs> and not doing anything. And there is a point where when he wants to insult Miles, what does he say? He's gay, 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 yeah, gay, 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 gay. yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. There, yeah, that that yeah. and the Octavia Spencer jokes, mm-hmm. um, and the brutality. There are things that that did not age well. Yeah, right. But it is what it is. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't hold that against the movie. That that's the stuff was, that I yeah. don't that I don't take as much umbrage with as I do. Sort of the the that you sensed a little bit of the actors being corralled. Yeah. Like I just I, I and and Chappelle, as we've spoken of, is just such a unbelievable comedic talent that it's like. I, I actually recently watched You've Got Mail, mm-hmm. and to see him just like yeah. a totally bland, like just nothing. Mm-hmm. And then in this, you're just like, oh, he just he. You can see that he's raring to go somewhere. And I haven't rewatched Two Hundred Cigarettes. I forgive me. I watched the first five minutes of Two Hundred Cigarettes the other night, and he's in the first five minutes. That cab driver is pretty consistent through that. His character is pretty consistent in it. And like even in that, you get the impression that like he's been a, let off the chain a little bit. Like they're letting yeah. him have a little bit more fun in this. I just don't feel like he's having as much fun as he could be. 
we have two seasons of Chappelle show. Um, and yeah. <clears throat> real like we, like it's true. It's, you know, he's never really had a great perform. He never really had a great, um, movie built around him. Yeah. That's true. Um, or built a movie around himself, mm-hmm. which is probably more likely. And I, I think it'll probably happen at some point. Like I can imagine. Him. Oh, I'm, I, sure, I, I'm sure he turned down plenty oh of blue streak ask type yeah, scripts I, and stuff. I just feel like, you know, Chris Rock is directing himself in like top five mm-hmm. or whatever. It seems like Chappelle has that same kind of muscle he wants to flex. I hope we'll so. That he does it. Um, so let's dive into the plot. Uh, the, the, the movie opens um, with jewel thief Miles Logan participating in a $17 million diamond heist in Los Angeles. And I would say from the jump, this movie shows how it had money. Like that rooftop stuff, mm-hmm. that whole heist sequence, um, all practical, all on location, you know, downtown LA. Yeah. Looked great. Like mm-hmm. from the jump, I was like, okay, this movie like actually has some some production muscle behind it. Um, and you can see it immediately. Um, I love that one of the TV that one of the security guards, that when the, the TV goes to snow, mm-hmm. he like taps it. <laughs> like wow. that's a thing that's ever right. worked. In anything. But it's also I, nice that the guards aren't dumb. Like sometimes yes, when yes. the thing goes to snow, they're like, oh, whatever, and go back to read yeah. their magazine. They send a guy right away it's true. to go look it's true. what's going well, on. Well, when you're having a when you're having the guy get caught in the beginning, mm-hmm. you don't have to have these ridiculous tropes to yeah. have him get away with it. You can have That's people act like people. Yeah. That's true. So I love that about it. I did it. too. I really liked that there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, gunmetal blue photography up top Me in too. this movie. It had a really nice sheen to it, it looked really good. Uh, Peter Green, of course, turns on them. Has this yeah. guy ever been trustworthy yeah, in never. anything? Zed. Zed, Zed. or uh, uh, what's his face in Usual Suspects? What's his suspects, name? Redfoot. Right. Redfoot. Yeah. He's always a turn. He's going to betray you. Yeah. He's yeah. going to betray you. <laughs> I love that guy. I love his face. Yeah. I love yeah. his voice. He's, got, he's, per- he's usually perfectly cast. He's great. So I love this heist crew. We've mentioned three of them. Uh, it's Chappelle. It's... John Lawrence and John it, Hawks and of all Academy Award nominee John Hawks. I think if you were to get John Hawks and Octavia Spencer together and just be like, "What's the most thankless role?" Yeah, uh, blue streak. Blue streak. Oh, it's blue streak. <laughs> Definitely blue streak. Uh, I get shot and I land on a car. Yeah, and I get made fun of. Yeah, That's right. I know. Did you even get a line? No. Um, two. Maybe a line. Um, I, I, there's so much. Like, so this is like some pretty classic Save the Cat stuff. But uh, Martin Lawrence's little banter with John Hawks. Clearly, like you know, his best friend, but almost like a little brother type guy to mm-hmm. him, um, is really winning. You're with him right to me. You're with him right away. He's messing with him about the the mm-hmm. vault in the middle of it. Yeah. Yep. Um, this the whole movie's inciting incident is that his buddy gets shot. Mm-hmm. He alludes to it with Luke Wilson, but they're not all you know uh, that right. he had a partner and he lost him. But it's not too on the nose. Um, I think that's I think that's a really smart way to start this movie and get you on the side of the. Jewel I totally thief. I totally agree with you, and I and I think that. You know, it's it's also pretty clear like who the star of this movie is really from from the very beginning. Like he's very winning, he's very charming. You're you're just with him. You want to see him <laughs> succeed. Uh, the diamond is cartoonishly large. Yes. It looks like something from a yeah. Bugs Bunny cartoon. No, it's like the baseball diamond from um, Great Muppet Caper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not to uh, yeah. and again not to objectify someone, but for a guy who I don't think is a very handsome man, Martin Lawrence, he is very magnetic. He is. He, yeah. Really, there's something about his his face and his mm-hmm. eyes. There's just, yep. you know, um, we saw it in life too. You, there's something about him that makes you want to go with him. Yeah. So. Yeah. He's just he's very alive on screen. He's very watchable. Yeah. You're just you're 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 just you're in it, and you want to be in it. I feel like his first line in the movie is "relax." 
Like yeah. it's yeah. something about like, oh, we got pictured. And he goes, what about the alarms? What do you think I'm doing? He's like, yeah. relax. I run yeah. a loose crew. You know, it's like yeah. he's like saying it to the audience. He's saying that yeah. to you, yeah. Phil. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just Blue Streak. Everything's going to be fine. What is it called, Blue Streak? Blue for cop and, yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe say he has a blue streak going down his back that maybe oh. he's actually going to be a great cop. You know? Interesting. That's what I was kind of in Mexico. <laughs> he might lose his federalihood. Yeah, federalihood. Right. I love this movie. I really do. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, as you just mentioned, um, one of his accomplices, Deacon, turns on Miles, kills Eddie, Miles's best friend, and another member of the team. Uh, takes off, tries to steal the diamond, um, and there's a whole bunch of like MacGuffins of bags of yeah, things. Yeah, he steals the bag from him. It's empty. It's empty. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Police arrive. Miles is forced to hide the diamond in the ductwork of the building that's being constructed. Uh, Just a, a tiny thing about yeah, the yeah. heist is there's a thing in there that tips off the cops that Chappelle's just smoking cigarettes and dropping cigarettes mm-hmm. on the street. So the cops see a pile of cigarettes. So clearly this guy's staking the place out. It just reminded me of a yeah. time when like the crime pro- – cigarettes were the greatest thing that happened to crime <laughs> procedural writers. They gave you so many clues. <laughs> you know, it's like their True. DNA is always on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, he's got – Always left behind. Always left behind. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like no one smokes anymore. It's like what low battery is for screenwriters today. Oh, God. Yeah, seriously, cell phones, yeah. which are the worst thing that's ever happened to you, right? <laughs> Technology, yeah, actually. They make everything harder. Now. Roll with the punches. Uh, Deacon flees. Miles is arrested. Uh, he's taken away, shocked to discover that Eddie's been killed. We fast forward two years. Miles is released from prison, attempts to reconnect with his girlfriend. She dumps him for lying about his criminal life. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the scene with the girlfriend. I thought it was, I thought it was charming, to your point. It's all you needed. Yeah. Like, you didn't need more than that. You didn't even need it. Right? Yeah, it, yeah. Li- it would lift out of the movie. It would change everything. Yes. If you yes. went right yes. to LAPD, honestly, when I was watching again, it made me wonder if there was a romance with Nicole Ari Parker that was left on the cutting room floor. That to set up that, oh, his girlfriend left him in this scene that later in the movie. I thought that too. Because when she, not, when she shows up. along earlier. Nicole Ari Parker. That's true. <laughs> right. But yes. I, 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 uh, we when know Nicole Ari up. Parker because she's married to someone oh, on our show. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Um, I think there probably was. It, it made me wonder yeah. about it. Just because they spend so much time setting up that his girlfriend left him, that he's single. When she shows up to the the, she <clears throat> she felt like a girlfriend foil. Exactly. Like it felt like that's where they were going. They never go there, and I don't know if maybe yeah. they did, and the scenes were cut. Who knows? But her character kind of just doesn't really serve yeah. a purpose then. Unfortunately, right. I think she's also third build. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a, that's not the third biggest character in the movie by no. a long shot. Mm-mm. So I do. I, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I, but I, I also like to your earlier point. I applaud them for cutting it out. Like Axel Foley doesn't have a romantic story until the third movie. It's yeah. the same romance mm-hmm. that is true. in this movie. It's mm-hmm. with it's with uh, Judge Reinhold and the other cop. Yeah. It's it's this this camaraderie that you feel, and then that is kind of what I think this movie ultimately is about. I think this movie is ultimately about. Status and class and what you were born into and finding a team – a good teammate is a That's good teammate. Yeah. And Martin Lawrence, <clears throat> a, when he becomes a part of the police team, is a really valuable member of the team, just like he was a me- valuable member of the heist team. He probably just wasn't born into circumstances that huh. led him in that direction. Yeah, I would agree uh, with that because I do the, feel like the end of the film when he's on one side of the line and they're on the other and they're really enjoying him. It did also feel a little bit like there was talk of a sequel that never came to fruition. I could see – 
the mm-hmm. the the Mexico version of this, if if yeah. you know, or, or something to that effect. I could have seen <clears throat> that, and the character is teed up potentially to do that yeah. in some capacity or another. I could also see the sort of catch me if you can version of it too, mm-hmm. where Luke Wilson can't catch yeah. some guy, and he's like, mm-hmm. I need an expert or to the help white collar version. Yeah, of it. white yeah, collar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah mm-hmm. for sure. Where where you have sort of that, but it is teed up. Mm-hmm. But to your point, you do feel like. He's one of them. And I think that the police captain says that at the end, that he is one of us. Mm-hmm. Like there is something – yeah, it does feel familial in some way by the end of it for sure. Yeah. And also it's about adaptability. Like the fact that he has a skill set mm-hmm. that he probably himself doesn't realize that skill set can be adapted to use the to complete opposite thing of what he – Learn to do yep. it for, and then he's actually really good at it. It's a little bit like the Karate Kid, you know. He's like waxing cars all day, and then all of a yeah. sudden he can yeah. block any punch. Yeah, that's that's true. I, you know, I uh, I will say that. So he goes to the to the LAPD at this point, and this was sort of hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is where the conceit did start to bump me a little bit. Now I know it's early in the film and ultimately I got over it, but it is something that did feel sort of like, why would the diamond still be there? Did it bite? Did it bother you in the bank job or the big job? I never saw it. Oh, but for the record, <laughs> you know, the like, classic, oh. the big job for the record though, the diamond did move inside the building. It didn't just stay where it was supposed to stay. They, I think there's some plot point that there was a flood somewhere and it got washed away. So he has to use that little, radio controlled truck to go yeah, looking for it. A little ro- little Mars rover. Yeah. I, I must have missed that. Yeah. But yes. There's a, you'll see he's looking at a vent because he's always looking at vents in the movie. <laughs> always. And there's water damage and he asks, well, hey, where's I remember that water that. damage coming yeah, from? Okay. Oh, there was a flood. and Because he expected to find it taped, I think, to a duct somewhere. Yeah. And it's just not there. Okay. So that's why he has to go get his like Bigfoot radio controlled truck to go looking okay. for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that, 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 that certainly helps. Either way, he's – so uh, – He's just dis- Miles is dismayed to find that the building that he hid the diamond it is now an LAPD station, which they, apparently they built a facade. It's actually the library downtown New York. Oh, okay. it cost them a lot downtown of money. LA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so he goes and discovers the that the stone is hidden and it, that he needs uh, key card access. So then he comes. Then we get our pizza delivery guy. Who, if his character. mission is if his mission is to blend in and not be noticed, <laughs> ineffective <laughs> mission failure. <laughs> You know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, it sucks, but I, I I see the utility of it. Yeah, of you, course, you know, yeah. just, I get it. It's yeah. just a chance for Martin Lawrence to do to Martin Lawrence the thing that he does. Yeah, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's unable to gain access to the ducks. He does manage to steal Luke Wilson's access That's card, right. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and then he has his uncle Lou forge 
a new badge and transfer papers to get into the building. He poses as a new transfer detective, Detective Malone. Uh, I'll my, say one thing just from yeah, the no, screenwriting absolutely. perspective about this is like this might sound a little strange, but for me, this movie really it codified a difference between TV writing and feature writing. Because in TV writing, you're like, we need to keep telling the story. Yeah. We need to keep coming up with story engines that can let us get 100 episodes out of this. When he's getting the folder and stuff from Uncle Lou, he says, I'm only going to be in there for an hour. That like yes, the, the feature mm-hmm. thing is this story has an ending, you know, which is like the total opposite of, of television <laughs> writing. And I just thought it was like – and it even almost seems like they're like, we're not even worried about a sequel. Like we're not even worried about making your cover so good that you could continue to be uh, Detective Malone for three more movies. No, and I, I, mm. I, I liked that about it. I liked that it felt like it had an expiration date yeah. on it. It helps with the hoops that you have to jump through over the course of the rest of the film. Uh, he gets there and inadvertently foils a prisoner escape and is teamed up with Detective Carlson at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one other thing, yeah, one other thing about Luke Wilson and the badge. My favorite decision of this movie is making Martin Lawrence high status and Luke Wilson low status. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the, uh, the obvious decision in this kind of relationship. I think the obvious thing is the cop is the hard ass. Mm-hmm. The criminal is the – newbie he's doing everything wrong i think that would have been really fucking lame it's 48 hours really yeah yeah right exactly but with with the added you know with the added like you know kind of a cloak and dagger Mm -hmm. of it um i think it would have been lame and i think it would have been boring and it made every it made every um scene between the two of them surprising i didn't know how luke wilson would react to anything he said i fully agree uh so i loved it It did. It did create a tension mm-hmm. yeah. that you weren't really sure about, and also made it so charming when Luke Wilson's response to everything was just so right. game. And well, so, you know, what I mean, it, it, it's it's yeah, like it's the right. way we watch movies. Yeah. We assume intent, mm-hmm. right? We yes. we we just assume that this guy knows what he's talking about because yeah. he's a cop and he's yeah. there and he has a badge and he's successful, or so we've been told. So, yeah, sure, if he. What were, what were some of the things that he does? But um, you it know, also explains like Luke Wilson's attitude. Again, his performance in this is so good. It explains why he's not suspicious of Martin Lawrence right away. Yeah, you know, like some yeah. other some executives. Like, but he's a cop. He's a smart cop. Why would he be fooled? Like he just isn't. You know. Yeah. Uh, and like the interesting thing about him is that like it's very subtle, but he has an arc over the movie that he like yeah he does let a handcuffed guy mm-hmm. get out, but by the end he's the only one who's figured, who's out, figured out what he's who doing. Miles is. It's it's great. It's it's, it's so I, humane. It's so, end, humane. it's so humane. They, yeah, they really just – you love him through the movie and then you love him even more when yeah. you're like, oh, and he's smart too. Mm-hmm. Like you think he's just bumbling and silly and yeah. sweet and whatever, which is fine in its own right. But then to realize that he's actually been – it's great. I mean the, can't, the same can't be said for the, the captain so much who allows him to become a detective because he's a, a fellow bowler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. what, but what can I say? What I love about it is that actor is always like a really bad guy. Oh, like and not like confidential. LA he's confidential. A, he's yeah. like abusive. Jennifer Eight. Oh, it's just like I don't remember him in Jennifer Eight. It's oh my god! Like just seeing him like smiling and be like, "That's Malone," <laughs> you it's know? Like, like not it was okay. Like, but I like that they did that. That they cast a guy who would really be a hard ass police. Yeah, captain, no, I thought it was great. But he was actually like kind of like nice to Martin Lawrence, <laughs> and he like wanted him to do a good job. <laughs> they go on a burglary call. He reminded me a little bit of the judge in My Cousin Vinny. Okay. Remember? Fred oh, Quinn. Yeah, the guy who's yeah. the Munsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Munsters, exactly. Yeah. A little bit a little bit of that. Yeah, that. I mean, that guy was a little more skeptical, but he was willing to say, well, you're a lawyer in my courtroom. You're probably yeah. legit. Mm-hmm. My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up again? 
One of the greats. It's a great movie. We Fantastic. talked about it on Happy Texas as oh, well. Yeah. Yes. But uh, so they go on a burglary call, and Miles is quick to figure out the fraud that's been perpetrated by the owner, and and it's it's a great scene right. because again, you're just you're seeing the guys succeed. It's a my cousin Vinny scene. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the it's the he has a certain set of skills, but a certain set or a, a certain experience yep. that Luke Wilson could never have. It lays out perfectly. He solves the crime. I like the way he handles it. It also has my favorite scene, favorite line of the movie. That scene. What is it? When Martin Lawrence says to the guy, "Do you like snacks?" and the guy <laughs> says, "Nothing makes me happier." Uh-huh. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I really can appreciate that. <laughs> the funny thing is, like in that scene, I think one of the reasons I'm sitting here with you, fine gentlemen, mm. is not one, not two, not three, but four television writers' rooms. At some point, I have said. Have you guys seen Blue Streak? I just want to pitch something inspired by Blue Streak. I think the one that's actually made it into an episode is inspired by this scene. It's an episode of Psych. I think it's called Zero to Murder in 60 Seconds. There's a whole plot point about how heavy the rims are uh-huh. uh, in this episode. Because yes, 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 yeah. they're, 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 that's how I, in a suburban New Jersey guy, knows that customized rims are super heavy. Because the, the plot point in the episode of Psych is that they're light because the guy's smuggling drugs in the rims. So it's just like, this oh. This is like, they're really heavy. Yeah, exactly. They're really heavy. So I'm like, oh, so it's the one time I got a Blue Streak pitch, <laughs> like, into an I episode. I feel like you've pitched Blue Streak in yeah. Station 19. <laughs> definitely. That's definitely yeah. happened. I think it's applicable. I, that's what I think, like, I think there are little things all through this movie that are applicable to to, to writing. And obviously, you know, they're, that's a like fact base. But I also think that there are things like upending relationships or upending dynamics in a way you wouldn't expect yeah. um, that could really help. I, th- I think this Luke Wilson, Mark Lawrence relationship is so, um, is so instructive to me. If you make a little twist on an old kind of relationship, an old dynamic, everything mm-hmm. is new. Well, because it comes down to two things. I think the first is that we love to see people be good at their jobs. We like people being really good at things. I mean, it. like people at the, at the, at the, peak of their abilities, whatever that, that, that is. That is literally what television is built on. It's mm-hmm. built on that and also built on the audience loves to be smart too. Mm-hmm. So if you can find a way to dovetail those two things together, that's the goods because then you're giving audience something and they're enjoying seeing someone be good at something. Like it's just that that's everything. And it feels like this scene encapsulates that in a lot of ways, which is you're seeing a guy who has a specific skill set and a specific talent and experience that allows him it's to. Perfect. It's just, right. it's great. And he breaks the law. He doesn't have a search warrant. To search yeah. that truck. And Luke Wilson's telling him, you can't do this. You can't do this. And then Luke Wilson gleans his own lesson from him. He's yeah. like, oh, you throw the small oh, fish back. I see. <laughs> every time Luke Wilson, every time Luke Wilson like gleans a lesson yeah. from Martin Lawrence breaking the law or doing something crazy, right. I just cracked up. It's like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. It's great. Uh, what's also great is the ridiculous amount of air that the cruiser gets when Martin Lawrence is driving. It looks like it's been yeah. shot out yeah, of a awesome. fucking cannon. Right. It looks you know like what the bad version of this relationship is? Mm. The other guys. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where Will Ferrell is so by the book, yeah. he's such a stick in the mud. And he's it slows not, yeah. down the momentum of the movie. Mm-hmm. Right? Every time. It's how is, how is Will Ferrell going to slow down our momentum as we're trying to solve this crime? Luke Wilson never does that. He's a wet blanket. Yeah. He's just really it, – it's really in, unfortunate. In, other, in the other guys. But in this yeah. movie, Luke Wilson asks the questions the audience is asking. Mm-hmm. Mark Lawrence gives the ex- explanation. He goes, oh, yeah, sure. And I, that's, that's what I want out of it yeah. as an audience member. I don't want to stick in the mud taking down every infraction and reporting to the superior. I totally agree with you. And it, and it also just sort of 
Like, I understand that the Luke Wilson character needs to be an obstacle, right? He needs to create conflict in order for the story to continue. But also, it affords Martin Lawrence's character to have to find a way around these things or mm-hmm. to be clever and smart around them, which is the opposite of what happens in the other guys, which is that it just it's just conflict, conflict, conflict. It's just – it's – Unfortunate. I will say the driving scene when Martin Lawrence is just criticizing Luke Wilson's driving that he's yeah. going so slow because he used to be working traffic. I think I yes, think Luke yes, Wilson throws yes. away that he used to work the traffic, wow. and just like him heckling his driving, like to me, I was laughing the whole time. I loved him being like, "It's green, it's green," yeah. talking about the light. Like, why aren't we driving? Yeah. He had a great line, you know, when uh, when Martin Lawrence tells him he's in internal affairs and he goes, you tell anyone I'm going to ha- have you down in a parade detail. And Luke Wilson goes, I've worked that before. <laughs> 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 Which makes me think yeah. that there was a lot of riffing between these two guys. Yeah, like, I, I agree. Just the chemistry. Who would have thought? Mm-hmm. It's also like Luke Wilson's just a guy that I'm just like, I wish he became a bigger thing. I don't know why it didn't happen. I thought old school was going to like be the thing that – and yeah. it just – it. I don't know. He's a lot funnier than people give him credit for, but I think it's also that he doesn't – like he's not kooky like not Owen. Like yeah. Owen's flashy yeah. and Luke is just very kind of just – You have to remember he was the lead of his own heist movie, if I'm not mistaken. He it was, was before Rushmore, before they Bottle made Rocket? Rushmore. Yeah. He was the lead in Bottle Rocket. Isn't that about a, – isn't he a thief in that? He is, is a heist. Yeah. He is, but yeah. it's also it's also Owen who's kind of who – look up Luke Wilson. Because I feel as though like he's – He's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know what he was phenomenal in uh, was um, Enlightened. Did you, did you yeah, he was watch great. That? No, he I was fantastic. That, show. that show is phenomenal and he was fucking great he's in it. He's also phenomenal in uh, Royal Tenenbaums. He might be the oh, best yeah. part he's of that He's great movie. in Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, and he also – he, he tees up one of the best jokes in Rushmore. The no, OR they no, they right. <laughs> The only time I've seen him play kind of like a bad guy sort of was on that 70s show. I don't remember shows. him on that. He was it, on that? Is that Laura Prepon? I think he might play Kelso's older brother. And Laura Prepon breaks up with uh, Eric Foreman, and he's the next guy she dates. And he's older, and so he can get her alcohol and stuff, and she's drinking and skipping school and all these Amazing. things. And it's the one time where she's like, they're trying to break them up. She's like, no, we're in love. And, and Luke Wilson's like, no. <laughs> I don't think so. And Danielle Primon's like, but I thought we say, he's like, yeah, I do this thing where I say things I don't mean. And, like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, he's the villain he's, in that story. Good. That's great. And, you know, Luke Wilson kind of often seems to fall into that, yes. that thing where he is the object of the lead's desire. Mm-hmm. You know, Legally Blonde is the obvious example of that. Right. Uh, Charlie's Angels Charlie's as well. Angels. Charlie's Angels. Because he's this good looking guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's. To me, he has that thing that we were talking about in Happy Texas that Ali Walker has mm-hmm. in the forthcoming episode of Happy Texas, where there's something about him that makes him very attractive without having to be well-written, mm-hmm. right? You know, you always mm-hmm. I always kind of get why someone would be into Luke Wilson. So he's a great uh, – he's a great object of desire, object of affection for, for a female lead in a movie. Yeah. But that does kind of put him in a box it does. that makes it mm-hmm. very hard for him to segue into – leading man roles like yeah. michael varton in never been kissed never been yeah. kissed never really was able to do that but if you talk to anyone about never been kissed they're like oh michael varton there's so many oh yeah God. we talked about it in the room mm-hmm. as well i mean yeah there is something about him that is very uh you want to hang out with him he seems like luke. a real person luke totally yeah, he seems like a real guy uh he's like the he's like your your children's best friend's father and you're so happy yeah that mm-hmm. he's yeah. The, that he's the yeah. guy that you get to hang out with did um, were you uh, on Entourage when he was on Entourage? 
Oh, playing, yeah. Playing I was Luke playing Wilson. Luke Wilson. That was on, the third episode of Entourage. Okay. Where he has to go do Kimmel, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. That's talk show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. But the, you know, it was written. Could have been anyone. But uh, I actually don't know. I wasn't there. He's he's a that guy, was though. back when we were able to get guys like Luke Wilson to do <laughs> <laughs> It is interesting, though, because Hollywood has tried to make him a leading man on several mm-hmm. occasions, and it just hasn't took. Sure. Um, you know, you had uh, Alex and Emma – that the the Rob Reiner movie where they tried to make old school, obviously he mm-hmm. was the lead in that. Although it's you know technically three guys. Um, my super ex girlfriend, right. which I another attempt. That was like a huge script. That was a huge big budgeted huge. movie. Mm-hmm. Like huge. that was a real tra- a real uh, honest effort. Yeah, and then it's it's been you know he was on Roadies. Uh, I guess he's in the Goldfinch apparently, which is coming up. Um, he does. He does like straight straight to video stuff now. I mean yeah, VOD he, stuff. And he he was wasn't he the Verizon guy for a while? Yeah, he does some commercials now too. But you know, listen, it's he's it, doing it's, great. He's doing. Fun. He's had an Luke amazing Wilson's career. Doing. Right? He could be Andrew Wilson. So CBS would put him in a crime procedural tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, if they 100%. said if someone just just call, yeah, yeah, they would pay him a ton of yeah. money to just or the lead be of like, an NCIS. And exactly. He'd be like, exactly. Like sure. CBS would be yeah, all Chris O'Donnell money. Yeah. Uh, so now on the ride back, they stumble upon an armed robbery being committed by Miles's good friend and former getaway driver, Tully, played by Dave Chappelle. Uh, Miles intervenes, arrests Tully before the police can shoot him, demands – they make a whole deal essentially. Love it. It was fun. It's a fun scene. They're they're great. Because I, I, Love again, the cops standing back in awe of his yeah. policing. But all yes to that and also there's a tension there. Like right. Dave Chappelle has the upper hand in this mm-hmm. situation and the whole thing can go tits up if – he yeah. doesn't, you know. So it's it's the funny it's thing a, about that scene too is the store clerk has like a sawed off shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they end the scene like, too yeah. with him and like cocking yeah, the gun know. again. I'm like, what's that? And happening? all Luke Wilson says is like, hold your fire. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> crazy. There's like technically two cops in the building. You know? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> uh, so then uh, Miles makes another attempt to locate the diamond, uh, and this is when they think he's internal affairs mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, Miles tries to get the diamond back. Uh, they're centered on another call. I don't, and this just felt like a weird punch up thing, but like, did we need the guy with the itch cream rubbing it on his crotch? I thought it was kind of gross, gross and, yeah, yeah. and it was, it was a joke I didn't need. It wasn't plot relevant. And then, well, cause then later he doesn't want to shake the guy's hand. They wanted it. They want, I think, and I don't love this move, but I think they wanted to have one person who is skeptical yeah. with inside that building. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, which he sort of is. He, he, well, he kind of he, he kind of yeah. dropped I think, it. Like, yeah. it, it, it feels like it's there when he ends up in the room full of cops. That yeah, he's do a briefing. Like it feels the, like that. Yeah, cop the P thirty one. Yeah, <laughs> which was hilarious. <laughs> it's been so so funny. Hilarious. See, like he's he's doing such crazy physical yeah, stuff, and then yeah. see, like he's like tapping his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. And he's like Diaz. Diaz yeah. isn't. It's <laughs> such a weird scene because yeah. they never explain what the fucking yeah. numbers are right. for. Which is awesome. Yeah. I was like, it would have been like the, going to explain Yeah, this? it would have been like the middle chlorians. We would have yeah. just been like, <laughs> just it would have like ruined the allure of the P31 it's a, it's and the a great P40. Scene. Like he just, like go to, just watch what he's doing with up. his pants and that scene. Like he's like pulling them up and his doing all this giant stuff. 90s <laughs> pants. Exactly. Yeah, the suit that he's yeah. wearing, he's drowning in those clothes. Oh, yeah. Luke Wilson, I like the suit. It's cool. <laughs> so then we got our Dunkin' Donuts product placement, which was crazy. Right. Uh, and then. And I say, uh, I think a jewel thief can eat. Don't, don't yeah. It doesn't make you a it cow. Doesn't. <laughs> uh, then while out, they capture a truckload of heroin being uh, to, belonging to a major dealer. Miles locates the diamond in the vent, falls in the mm-hmm. heroin, to your earlier point, yes. 
slightly convenient. The second stage rocket of the movie, yeah, if you like, will. It's like, it's a little whatever. Uh, then Miles suggests the FBI use the heroin as a bait in the sting so he can get the diamond right. back. Can I say in that moment, there's a strange thing that happens in that moment where the FBI guy is like, are you saying you're volunteering to be the bait? And he goes, hell no. But nobody hears him apparently. <laughs> he's just like, no, he's like, the, the exactly. like, you're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, no, he said no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's great. Uh, he arranges to be with the heroin in the delivery, in the delivery truck. So, and then he's soon joined by Tully, who's secretly set free from the bill. Like, this is, this is the stuff where I'm just like, it's it getting does, a little yes. sweaty. I agree with you. Third act does lose me a little bit. When you start yeah. seeing the money on the screen, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's all just, it actually does kind of lose me until you are on the chase. Yeah. And the exactly. chase is great. Chase is great. The Some really cool shit happens. Really cool chase. shit in the case, yeah. in the chase. Uh, and but I ins- gotta, inside the van started to feel like a talk show because like yeah. Chappelle pops in, Deke yeah. pops in. It's like, it's like who's going to pop it's like in a next? Fucking clown car. <laughs> That's right. it's like, why are there so many people and also, here? Aren't they being surveilled? <laughs> like from yeah, is everyone angle? being? Yeah. yeah, it's they're and they're having conversations that they shouldn't be having necessarily, yeah. and it's all just it's all just a little weird. Um, so then we got a solid chase as we mentioned, and then we basically get to the border. Mm-hmm. So forgive me, but. When the when Deacon's truck flips, they're on the other. They're in Mexico at this point, correct? Because and only Martin Lawrence can and will go across the border right. to, to pursue it because he's just crazy enough to yeah. do it. Well, because he doesn't really care about the rules of right. No, I, I'm, yeah. I'm speaking from from the police yeah. perspective. He has the diamond too, if I recall. Deacon has the diamond. Deacon does have the diamond. Yeah. I mean, he's just going to do whatever he can to get the diamond. Also. This guy shot John Hawks too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is and and this is the moment when the movie actually has some balls. Mm-hmm. I mean, admittedly, it's still self-defense because yeah. Deacon pulls out a gun, but you know, Miles still shoots the guy and, mm-hmm. and you get the impression that like it is revenge for his buddy. Like right. it's it's definitely all baked into this yeah. moment. Which is, you know, pretty our territory. It's but. I will say it's a very funny moment too, earlier when the Russian <laughs> is like, prove your loyalty by shooting him, and he just <laughs> takes the gun and shoots him. Right oh, away. I love that. You know? <laughs> He's like, no, kill him. I meant kill him. <laughs> so I think they do a couple of really brilliant things here. Yep. I think that scene's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think giving him the gun with one bullet is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Having only one shot when he's on that chase is really great. Mm-hmm. Necessitating the flare gun, which is awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Having shoot the flare gun in the thing. I love the way he pulls in front of the car and stops short mm-hmm. before. Um, you get the Mexican standoff in Mexico. Yeah. Not you don't get that all the time. You don't get that all. <laughs> uh, I do. I think they made a lot of really great uh, little choices mm-hmm. that, that you don't have to do in a movie like this. I mean, that's those are the movies that I miss more than anything. The the action comedy that yeah. doesn't that doesn't mm-hmm. skimp on the action part. Yeah. You know, and people maybe like it's probably been within the last ten years where like Seth Rogen tried to make a bunch like mm-hmm. the Pineapple Express yeah. and whatnot. I mean, the other guys kind of tried that too. Other I mean, guys, which, tried, which you know, but our, to different, you know. But success. none of these um, are really have really entered the zeitgeist the way no. even a Blue Streak has, but certainly not the way a Beverly Hills Cop has yeah. or a Lethal Weapon has. Or yeah, you do. I, I yeah, I'm trying to sort of I'm trying to comb through my head as well, trying to think of anything that there's sort been of, a bunch. I mean, like uh, sixty seconds or less. I would or sixty mm-hmm. minutes or less. Yeah, I never saw it. Was that it? Was it sixty minutes or thirty minutes? Thirty minutes. Thirty or minutes. Or less. Or less. Thirty minutes. Or less. The yeah. Jesse Eisenberg movie was yeah. one of those kind of movies. Um, yeah, it does feel like we're now at a place where, like, you just wish that someone would give thirty million dollars to whoever, like even a guy Ritchie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I was talking with my roommate last night about Aladdin. And 
how successful that will be or or not. I don't know. But how – and we will do Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels because that's a 99 movie. So we will talk Guy Ritchie. But he's a guy where it's like I, I kind of – and I'm not even the biggest fan of those movies, but I kind of wish that that lane still existed. We don't really have it anymore. Of like, like the Sherlock I, thing? No, no, like like like, like, a, like, a, like a thirty million dollar action comedy, gritty R rated <laughs> thing. That to to me, those movies could could pop up at any time. I hope so. Like, I because thirty million is not that big of a. I agree. A big of a bite. I agree. It's like. It's like the, John Wick kind of came out of nowhere. It wasn't, probably, it wasn't that funny, but it was a gritty action yeah. thing kind of came out of nowhere. With a relatively low budget. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree with that. It's like – I know that the, the, the comedians of today seem to want to make movies like that. Um, 21 Jump Street's a really good example. I actually think mm-hmm. of a movie like that that works. Yeah. I agree. That's um, the best example I've Yeah, seen that works. But yeah, I think that people want to make movies like that that just aren't a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And there have been a lot of failures. Starsky and Hutch was a big failure, in my opinion, in that respect. Yeah. it's. I mean, but it, both Charlie's of those angels worked. But all these things that you're talking about are all IP-based, right? Mm-hmm. Like Because we're lazy. It's it's a bummer because it you know Blue Streak isn't. Lazy I mean, I guess it's a remake, but you, you know what I'm saying. That. Like no one saw it. Like I would <laughs> Do you love remember to the see. big job. I want to remake the big job. Yeah, like, of course we've Crazy. all seen the big job. Yeah, who hasn't seen it? <laughs> Can't find it anywhere. But yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> so so we get our we get over to the other side of the border. Uh, he kills Miles. We have this moment he, when he kills De- Deacon. Sorry, Deacon. My apologies. Um, and uh, Miles tells him that he's actually an undercover Mexican officer. That he's a federal. Federal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and he has to go back to Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> federal. There are some there are some unfortunate racist jokes mm-hmm. here at the end. Yeah. Um, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, it was ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like it sucks. It sucks that the movie kind of has to end like that. All, also, because there's one great joke mm. where he says he did it all for the wet, the red, the white. Looks over his shoulder <laughs> and the, the green. green. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great joke. It's and the three men joke. share a bittersweet goodbye before Miles heads over the border into heads back to Mexico with the diamond. Better, wo- a- better William Forsyth performance. This or Deuce Bigelow. Oh, he has more to do in Deuce Bigelow. I think. Yeah, yeah. He's he's more engaged in Deuce Bigelow. Yeah. Pretty good at this, and he helps. <laughs> and he's good in this too. Career opportunities as well. Love, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's great in that. Is he, he? He's in. Is he in Dick Tracy? Is yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, flat he, top. He's flat top in that. Yeah, Dick Tracy, underrated movie. People don't. I know you do love that people movie. People don't talk about Dick Tracy enough. It's they good. I, I mean, I love. Did you say they much. will? They will. Oh, that sounded like a well. Someone's ominous. Gonna, someone's <laughs> they will. Someone's going to make a more stylized serial. I mean, it's a superhero movie soon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to because they all fucking. All the DC movies look the same. All the Marvel movies look the same. Occasionally, you get yeah. these Fox Marvels mm-hmm. that do look a little different and have a different thing going on. It might on. be Matt Reeves' Batman. We'll see what yeah, he does with it. it that, might, if he goes full noir, full detective, as he keeps talking about, well, it's going to be me and you. Oh, yeah? All oh, right. When, when, we do, when we do our Catwoman Returns. <laughs> yeah, Phil and I have a picture of Catwoman Returns. <laughs> oh, that but, everyone now knows about. I mean, it doesn't matter. With Halle Berry. Did, didn't we quit? Yeah, we quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not we with Halle Berry. <laughs> we want to do like – It would be so cool. We just pitch it out. Michelle Pfeiffer. Anyone can have Today. It. Oh, okay. So it's like old, mm-hmm. older Selena Kyle. They, they got married. Okay. After Bruce Batman Wayne. returned. Sure. And they eradicated crime. Excellent. So everything's been good for a while. Mm-hmm. I love this pitch. And now – I have it all like written out mm-hmm. on the phone. Mm-hmm. They eradicated crime – Everything's been good in Gotham City. They both really missed, like he's really missed fighting crime and she's really missed, you know, kind of living Mm -hmm. on both sides of the law. And Joker's daughter resurrects Joker. Oh, okay. Um, And then 
Yeah. Catwoman has to save the day yeah. because Michael Keaton is, you know, I also just in love spotlight. like that. It's also a depiction of like a marriage oh, that's lost be, the spark, and should, they're like they liked kicking the shit out of each other mm-hmm. and getting dressed up yeah. in leather. <clears throat> he should die. Who? He should be dead. Batman should be dead. And she should be walking around the Wayne Mansion. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, like flashback. Female Citizen Kane thing. It's a female there. Citizen Kane <laughs> thing. <laughs> love it. Ugh. All right. Well, we'll do it. It'll be fine. All right. Someone will let it, us do it, right? I know a few execs listen to this podcast. They'll call us up. Yeah, they will. It's so inevitable. A few Warner Brothers execs who have. Um, we know. should talk very <laughs> briefly um, about the soundtrack. Yeah, it was a very big It was deal. a very big soundtrack, which I didn't know. Yeah. The Jay-Z um, single. The Jay-Z was single big. was really big. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, it, was, it was apparently a really big soundtrack. Uh, it's... The Girl's Best Friend, performed by Jay-Z, peaked 52 on the Hot 100. It was number 19 on the uh, Hot R&B. It, was a, it, was a, it, it did very well. Um, Jay-Z wasn't Jay-Z at the time. So this was one of the, hit, one of the first big mainstream songs for him, too. There were six singles what off were, of this. What yeah. were they? Uh, Girl's Best Friend, Rock Ice, um, which was performed by Cash Money Millionaires. Sure. Uh, While You Were Gone, uh, which was performed by Kelly Price. Criminal Mind, which was performed by Tyrese featuring Heavy D. Uh, Damn. Heavy D from Cider House Rules? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of, course, of course. Same same Heavy D. <laughs> uh, there's also a song called Damn, and then I love a good parentheses because we don't get them enough. Damn, parentheses, should have treated you right. <laughs> which, yeah. was, which was performed by So Plush featuring Ja Rule. I was, I was really hoping it was a Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover cover. <laughs> so did, so did, I actually, truthfully. Shucks. Uh, and then the sixth single off of this was Please Don't Forget About Me, performed by Rough Ends. Anyway, there you know it was a it, it was a very big uh, soundtrack. Um, so, and as I mentioned to you earlier, uh, we want to do our top heist films. Okay. Um, I don't know if I if I forced you to stay within a box of five. Um, I just said top heist films, right? Because yeah. we I have ten. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I have ten, and I didn't even put Happy Texas on it. So how dare you? Well, I had I made a list of five, but then I have like have honorable extras. mentions. So you have ten. Yeah, I think so. Um, so well, actually, I actually have eleven because one is a one is a slash. I don't know if one of them is considered a heist film. So I have one that might be on the border. Um, but uh, would you like to go first? Sure. Your guess. Uh, I'll tell you. Sort of my list is uh, probably number one is Jackie Brown. Great movie. I love Jackie Brown so much. I, like I can say that Pulp Fiction is probably the better film, but Jackie Brown is a better movie. Like if one was on TNT and one was on FX, I would probably kick back and watch Jackie Brown. <laughs> Manny and Jordan wrote hard for Jackie Brown when yeah. they were in here too. Okay, cool. Um, cool. It's a, it's it's a it's his. I think it's arguably it's his most mature movie. It's yeah. the only movie he's made where I feel like these are real real people. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's on my list. It is not top five Tarantino for me. And but also just. It takes so much balls to say to adapt an Elmore Leonard book and say, you know what, I'm going to make her a middle aged black woman. Yeah, and like, change the title and who do, has yeah. the power to to do that? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. totally. Uh, so my second one is one that's probably not on your list because I've always thought it was one of the most clever bank robbery movies. It's called Quick Change. Yep, on my list. Quick Change. All right, good. <laughs> the Bill Murray movie. Bill Murray yeah. comedy. Yeah. Actually. It's number two on yours. It's number two. Yeah, nah, you're cooler yeah. than me. <laughs> but only barely. <laughs> <laughs> but just like, please go watch it. It's a brilliant I way have, to I've rob never a seen bank. It. I, it's I, brilliant. I'll definitely watch it. In Gina Davis? Yes. Gina Davis and Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. It's Randy Quaid before he lost his mind. Jason Robards is the cop trying to capture them. Uh, yeah. yeah. Who directed that? I'm just Quick curious. Quick Change, I'm not sure, actually. The, uh, the Quick Change scene that is 
one of my top ten favorite scenes ever is the scene with the bus with the with the exact change. Oh right, right, right. It's so tense. There's also and funny. Yeah. Great. There's also just a bizarre jousting scene. Yeah. It <laughs> has nothing to do with anything in the movie. It's just yeah. there to like tell him you're in a weird neighborhood right now. There is something uh, strange with Quick Change, mm-hmm. uh, which is that it is starring Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. It is produced by Bill Murray. Okay. It is co-directed by Bill Murray. Who's the other one? Mm. Howard Franklin. You have to watch this movie, Phil. I'm it's- going to watch it. It's the only directorial credit of Bill Murray's career. And I'm just I just I wonder whether or not do you know anything about it? I know he's dressed as a clown. Yeah. In the poster? Yeah. Okay, so you don't know much about it. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't spoil too much of it. I'm not going to say anything. I, yeah, I wouldn't say anything. I'm upset that you know that detail. But I'm, I'm sorry? There, <laughs> no, there's something about it that seems exactly the kind of movie I want to believe Bill Murray wants to make. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm really – now I'm, I'm very excited to watch Quick Change Great. and set it off. <laughs> Well, you just guys giving away all my numbers. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. No, it's okay. You brought it up in Happy Texas. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'll go faster too. Is, no, uh, it's great. The first Clooney Ocean's Eleven. Yes, I love. It's I so it's rewatchable. That movie yeah. is ridiculously. It just has an it's atmosphere on my list, and likability yeah. about it. Uh, the next one is the David Mamet movie, simply titled Heist. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Fairly recent, right? Um, it's Gene Hackman. Well, I guess it was probably yeah. like 2003. Something which like feels that. recent to me. I remember, yeah. but I remember when I watched it. Yeah, it's good. It's just got that mammoth esque uh, mm-hmm. dialogue going on. Okay, here's one. I love this movie so much. Sneakers. Great movie. Yeah. It was almost on my list. Oh, that's so. I love sneakers too. I didn't even consider it because it doesn't feel like a heist movie to me. But I guess it is. It, I feel like yeah. I feel movie. like they go through. It, I mean, they are they are stealing something at the yeah, end. Yeah, no, you're so, right. It's yeah. a great I a, movie. I had a TV pitch for sneakers that I wanted to go out with. I know you then, did. And then somebody. Uh, sold a TV pitch for sneakers and it never got made. Oh, anyway, bad. it's all good. Uh, Inside Man. Great movie. Got a lot of the I same love. ones. It might be, I, I'm not sure how much Black Klansman made, but it might be Spike Lee's highest grossing. I think it is. It, it, it at least it, was until yeah, Black Klansman. Until, and, and I think, I think, I think it, it still is. I think it made more than Malcolm X as well. Uh, I believe so, but I will look it up. As you, uh, uh, next for me, Blue Streak's on my list. And then here are my two sort of uh, surprise ones that mm-hmm. you don't really probably think of them as heist movies because they take place in such a bizarre science fiction world. I recently rewatched Solo oh. and I enjoyed it. I know people didn't like it. <laughs> But I, I mean, I, oh wow, yeah. this, this was going so great. <laughs> but also, I'll just make the case that Rogue One is also a heist movie. Yeah, no, it, it it is. I had this discussion with my roommate as well. It is a heist movie for yeah. sure. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think we in our brains have like a the the cliche idea of what a heist movie is, and yeah, I, I think that well, I've I've tried to deviate on my list a little bit. But um, and just to get back to this well, quickly, before was Rogue One your last one or did Rogue One was the last one? I so there's had. obviously I I don't want to say the I don't want to jump on your list, but there's a very famous um, science fiction movie that's a heist movie, but not a typical heist movie. I didn't put it on my list though; it is one of my favorite movies. It's on my list, I think. It is. Yeah. I might put it on my list. Um, so Spike Lee, just for mm-hmm. for what it's worth, number one is Inside Man, 122 million dollars, wow. did really really well. Malcolm X is number two. Jungle Fever is number three. Okay. Original Kings of Comedy is number four. Wow. Do the Right Thing is five. Black Klansman is sixth. Okay. 
on his list of that means he made a lot of movies and made a lot of money. That surprises me. I mean, especially it, those ones from the early nineties, late eighties. These are also domestic too. Like mm-hmm. Inside Man actually does one eighty four worldwide. Uh, Malcolm X does, uh, but it, it did not. Uh, I don't think it got an international release, or maybe it did. But you know, his his movies did did very well. Um, so anyway, so do you want to do, do yours? It, I, it's I think it's ironic because it just kind of dawned on me. Mm-hmm. Um, Blue Streak's not really a heist movie. But really, uh, no, it's it about really one not. thing he's yeah. trying to get. Yeah, it's not really a heist movie. It opens heist, with a heist. Yeah, it's about heist movies are about building, yeah. building the heist, building up to the heist, and then executing Seeing the heist. Goes, yeah. And that really doesn't <clears throat> happen in this movie. It happens in mm. Happy Texas, weirdly enough. But um, <laughs> just the one little, again, a little tiny nugget that makes Blue Streak interesting is how many movies that are sort of heisty are about stealing the same thing twice. Well, that's mm. one of my top five heist films. Is about the fallout from the heist, okay. as opposed to the build up to the heist. You know, I wrote a pilot about the fallout from the heist. The entire movie was going to be starts with the heist. I mean, the entire entire show. No one bought it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go, Kenny? I'll go. I, I I like to go backwards. Okay. Um. By the way, we we have, as far as I can tell, we have four, five, including Happy Texas heist movies this year. None of which made my list. But uh, what are they? Thomas Crown. Oh, yeah. your okay. favorite. You love Thomas my, Crown. My favorite. Lockstock. Yes, you're right. You're right. Uh, Three Kings. Right. Three Kings is on my list. Uh, Blue Streak and and Happy Texas. I'm sure there are more, but it just, yeah. just kind of – Yeah. Um, number 10. I don't know if it made your list. I got to think you didn't see it because I feel like it's right up your alley. What is Sexy it? Beast. That's my number oh, 10 Oh, yeah. I love Sexy Beast. Yeah. It's, it's great. great. Love Sexy Beast. Great heist. That mm-hmm. movie's fucking great. Yeah. Sexy Beast. Uh, just Kingfish him not putting Oscar. out his cigarette uh, on the airplane yeah. is awesome. It's just great. He's uh, so great. Number nine, to prove that I've watched movies before 1980, The Killing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, number – Which I think is that Jackie Brown has some yes. influence yeah. from that movie. Um, I like I like the low finest of the, the heist. <laughs> I like you know that whole idea of – I think it was made in like the late 50s, early 60s. I think early 60s. Um, and the, the heist is so simple. It's really just a like a smash mm-hmm. and grab essentially at a racetrack. Race it's sure. so cool though and it, it is a lot about the fallout too. Number uh, eight, this is my slash, um, Point Break and Fast and the Furious, which are the same movie. Same movie. To be honest, mm-hmm. I actually like Fast and Furious more. Crazy. Um, the reason I like Fast and Furious more is uh, I think the decision made with Paul Walker's character to essentially go native mm-hmm. was so cool and so unexpected. Um, and it really, it really drove home this idea of fam- family. I think all those movies are really cool, to be honest. But uh, and I love Point Break too. I mean, Point Break's amazing. I love Point Break. So that they're both mate. Number seven, Jackie Brown. We hit that. Number six, Inside Man. We hit that. Mm-hmm. Number five, one of the great movies of all time. Set it off. Which Phil needs to see? I do. <laughs> um, the perfect pre nineteen ninety nine heist movie. I need to see. Nice. I haven't it. seen it either. Yeah. So. Oh, it's so good. The soundtrack's amazing. Uh, has the En Vogue song. Uh, What's it? How's it gonna be? <laughs> it's like wow. it's it's like it's like uh, what's the fucking movie? Waiting to exhale. Uh-huh. It's like the entire movie was made out of the waiting to exhale scene where she sets the car on fire. Oh, okay. It's like they took that one scene and built a movie Just from made it. Made a movie out of it. It's all like it's all this like fuck you energy, mm-hmm. and I love it. Um, number four, Heat. Oh, Heat was on my Heat's list. Heat's my number yeah. one. Yeah, it's a great answer. Number three, Quick Change. As I said, not quite as cool, mm-hmm. but Quick Change is brilliant. <laughs> Number two, Out of Sight. I assume that's on your list. Mm-hmm. Number one, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. The greatest studio movie of the last 25 years. Yeah. It's, I mean, 
it's so ridiculously watchable. It was on, I don't know, TBS or something the other night, and I caught it. You know, mm-hmm. right at the point when they're about to, uh, when Matt Damon and and Clooney are about to bust into the safe, and and the guy's got his hand stuck in the, it's it's just great. It's everyone is having a blast. You can tell they're having a blast, and you're just having a yeah, great time you don't watching feel excluded. them. It's you awesome. Don't feel, you don't feel excluded. It doesn't feel like an inside joke. You're, it feels like they just want to have fun. The crew. Come to the party. Yeah. Like it's just it, it's just fantastic. They let you in on enough of the heist that you know what you're doing. They don't let you in on everything, so there's surprises at the end. Yeah, it's. Fucking it's great. fantastic. No one turns on each other. It's just great. Oh, it's just it. it's 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 just great. It's got just enough edge to it that you feel yeah. cool God, liking watch it. it right now. And it's but it's still popcorny enough that like everyone can watch it. It's just great. My list uh, number ten, sexy beast. Number nine, not sure if it counts, but I put bound at number nine. I think it's sort of heisty, but yeah. whatever. Uh, Point Break, eight. Jackie Brown, seven. Inception, six. Three Kings, five. Number four, Fish Called Wanda, yeah. um, which I adore. I never it's loved my, it. Oh, it's one of my favorite comedies. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I think it it's, great. it's fantastic. And it's, I mean, it's sort of the post-heist movie, I guess. Uh, Out of Sight, three. Ocean's Eleven, two. And Heat, number one. I just think Heat is just... Oh shit. yeah, I saw. I remember seeing Heat in the theaters and just that bank robbery Ugh, scene. It seemed like they turned yeah. the volume up when the gun started firing. It's crazy, and I mean, I think that if I'm not mistaken, it's natural sound outside, so all of that ricocheting mm-hmm. blanks is just it's fantastic. I mean, you just I don't know. And it's like, if best. I'm not correct me if I'm wrong, is that it was shot with the premise that Pacino's character was a cocaine. Yes. Yeah. That's why he's so crazy in some of the scenes. Like, give me all you got. He's just <laughs> screaming. You got a great ass and your head's all the way up it. <laughs> it's just a lot of like ups and downs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's but a, then it's like Michael Mann was just like, ah, cut that cocaine stuff. I mean, there. I, yeah, I, it's, it's a really, I don't know. There's a lot going on in it. And it's, it's one of those films. I remember I mean, it comes in in 95. I was 15. I had to sneak into it to see it. And, uh, I just remember so much buildup about the scene, the scene between yeah. Pacino and De Niro. And, and at the time thinking like it wasn't as good as I needed it to be. And now I'm just like, that scene's fucking amazing. It's just a great scene. But mm-hmm. the movie, so the movie was sold to audiences on that scene. Yeah. yeah. And the movie's so much more than that. Oh, scene. so much more than that scene. You know, but it's, it's, I remember they made such a stink out of the <laughs> fact that he shot with two cameras. So that he could get both the reactions at the same time, which now I'm just like, yeah, all like why is that? Why is that a big deal? Yeah, like, to you, like well, <laughs> everything. <laughs> we shoot other, with three cameras, like every. Yeah, but the other thing he did so um, meticulously was making it from both of their points yeah. of view. Yes, yes, and that's almost impossible to do. Right, you're in the cop story as much as you are as the criminal story. In a real, and, yeah, and, and you're you're with both of these characters. Mm-hmm. You understand their motivations completely. Right. Um, You're not sure who, who to root, root for. Yeah, it's really? true. It's true. Yeah. You're like kind of you want De Niro to get away in that last scene, but also you don't want Pacino to have a failure. Yeah. You totally do. Mm-hmm. Like the moment when De Niro turns to go to kill the guy that, you know, Wayne wronged Gro. him. Wayne Grow. Yeah. You're just – and the look on his face where it's like he almost knows that like yeah. this this is how he's going to die. Right. But he can't let this guy exist in the world. I it's remember just being in the theater wanting to scream at the screen. Like you've got the money. You've, you've got, got, you've got the Brennerman. girl. Go. Like, just go. Go, man. Yeah, just yeah, it's, go. It's just great. It's 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 really good stuff. Um, so zero to ninety nine. Um, I did not see this in ninety nine, so I can't speak to that. Um, but I will say that before this podcast, I would give this a seventy. And are you shaking your head that that's too <laughs> low? No, I just didn't think you were anywhere near that high. That's pretty good. Like that's why I'm like it doesn't it doesn't change. Oh. 
That's where you stayed, 70. I I thought it was, again, I – just to be clear, so you came in. You came in hating this movie. No, I did come in and hating we, this movie. And we, we, our enthusiasm and all our salient points only moved you up zero points. This, yes, I guess. <laughs> I, did, I didn't hate the movie when I sat down. That was Blue Streak esque logic there. I had my issues with Pretty it, good, man. Right. And I and I stick with a seventy. I think it's I think it's a solid movie. I would recommend this movie. 70's I don't know good. that I've ever watched it again, but you know. I would definitely watch it again if it was just. Did you see it in '99? I saw it in '99. So, what were your thoughts in '99? In '99, I thought it was just such a great premise. I thought I still think it's Martin Lawrence's best solo movie. Forgive me, Big Mama fans. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's his best. You know, I mean, teaming him up with the Will Smith probably makes (laughs) (laughs) something. Uh, so in 99, I probably would have given it like an 80 to 85. I oh, wow. really okay. enjoyed it. Like okay. I just felt like it had been a long time since I'd seen an Axel Foley-esque That's movie, true. like action comedy. It was also nice to see a guy like Martin Lawrence who was like a TV star making a good, a good fun movie too. So I would have probably said 85 then. But like I said in watching it recently today, there are some optics in there. The uh, the pizza delivery guy, the <laughs> gay, 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 <laughs> the police brutality, like left and right. <laughs> Even though he's not a cop, but there are cops watching. Uh, I would probably drop it to maybe seventy five to eighty. Okay, yeah. okay. So we're mm-hmm. all in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this sucks. Um, I I gave it a seventy five coming in here, which okay. I thought was a good grade. Mm-hmm. It is a good grade. Yeah, well, I thought it was a good movie. I moved it up. 79 was where I was okay. going to land okay. after this podcast. Like there are obviously issues with the movie. I don't, it, this isn't Dudley do right. Yeah. But, <laughs> that's not um, crazy. That's not crazy. But I think it, I, it's so much better than I thought it would be. It was not a movie I was looking forward to at all. Um, yeah. And knowing nothing about you on coming into it, mm-hmm. uh, just knowing that you were a seasoned television writer, it did make me think maybe there was something to it that I didn't anticipate uh-huh you know um i do have respect for my my colleagues in this industry but uh still i just couldn't really figure out why a guy who's had a lot of success <laughs> in our business was was repping this movie now i see it it's a great movie yeah, it really tr- it truly is a great movie and it is it's the kind of movie that when it's appropriate i look forward to watching with my kids like i know my kids will love this movie yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, you know not that I have to say this again, but I think it's I think it's well made. I think that you know this director uh, hasn't done a ton of stuff that that really works for me, but he did a good movie here. Like I, I think that this movie is, I will say too, like Encino Man into Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street into Flubber into Blue Streak. Like you can see that this guy is sort of really getting a sense of production and yeah. what have you um less mayfield in case we didn't say yes less mayfield yeah. does he does he what does he do now he does a lot of producing yeah right? he produces a lot of stuff um but yeah i mean he hasn't really he's got a movie coming that came out in 2007 called codename the cleaner oh that's oh. like cedric the entertainer, yeah, cedric the entertainer yeah. uh which i did not see um and then he had the man as well oh, that was that like samuel eli or uh, Eugene Eugene Levy, Levy, yeah. and, and sam and samuel L. jackson um, you know, so again, I, I get his line. Yeah, it's it's fine, but I, I will say that this does feel like, you know, yeah. this does feel uh, like probably his best film. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. Uh, it's, it's it's well done. It feels like you could also. It's ripe for a remake or reboot with like a Tiffany Haddish or a Leslie. Oh, Jones absolutely. Or something like that it seems for like sure. that yeah. would be gigantic. I know? totally agree with you. I think, uh, I think that actually would be a lot of fun. I think this is better than Encino Man, but I do think Encino Man has. 
persistent in the culture in a way that this yeah, hasn't. It's, it's, right. I, I think, yeah, I, I think well, it, launched, it launched a lot of careers, I felt. Encino Man. Man. Like, yeah. Pauly Shore had a yeah. movie career after Absolutely. that. And Brendan Fraser, Brendan too. Fraser too. We did Brendan Fraser, obviously, three times on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we have no more Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Until he comes on the podcast. And I when we will talk about it all Because he's, he's kind of the unofficial. I feel... I, 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 I would love to get Brendan Fraser on here. I feel like that's possible. Well, I mean, we like his movies more than most people. <laughs> he had an amazing year in 99. Yeah, I, I bring it up every podcast. And have you ever seen Dudley Do-Right? I have not seen Dudley Do-Right. I've seen George of the Jungle. I <laughs> haven't. I should be watching George of the Jungle. Dudley Do-Right is on Stars right now. If you're a subscriber, you could okay. be watching Dudley Do-Right. It's 87 minutes. Right. <laughs> it is, as, as Blue Streak is like 90 yeah, minutes. It's like on the yeah. nugget. Yeah, right. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. All right. So next week. Next week, we're going to do 200 cigarettes. 200 cigarettes. <laughs> Great movie. We've spoken a lot about cigarettes. It? Yeah, sure. Of course. We I have seen it too. Mm-hmm. I saw it in the theater. Everyone is in it. Everyone yes, is, is in it. it. I mean, we're going to get to talk about 8 million careers. Yeah. I saw it in my house, which is ironic because there is no way to get it into your you house these days. You can't get it anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I, know why that is. Yeah. I, I'm going to assume it's music rights, but I could I be guess. wrong. It could be. Could be. Because there's a lot of crazy needle drops in this movie. You don't see, we, we, we haven't done a lot of uh, movies. That are set. Yes. That movies from 1999 that are also period pieces, but aren't period pieces back to like the the mm-hmm. 1940s or back to like the 1800s mm-hmm. or something. This I believe is set on New Year's Eve 1980. I believe or the something New, like that. Early New Year's 80s. Eve 1979, yeah. same yeah. day as Boogie Nights yeah. when William H Macy shot himself in the face. <laughs> um, while that was happening. In California, this was happening in New, in New York. York. Paul Rudd was in a cab with Courtney Love, and I, I, to I mean, me, I remember bad. being kind of Kate Hudson's movie. But I remember that too. I yeah. remember it being promoted as a Ben Affleck movie. I feel like, and he it's, wasn't in a lot. Yeah, yeah. and I remember it. Being, I remember it being Christina Ricci's movie. This is going to be great. <laughs> I think it'll be fun to see all these people. Yeah, um, it's and, a cavalcade yeah, of people. Yeah, but I, I don't think I've seen it since probably two thousand, two thousand one. It's it's one of those. It's a cavalcade. It is like it's, it's like it's, a Gary Marshall like like Valentine's it, it totally, Day type movie. It's also just everyone. It's just a crazy, crazy cast of people that were either already big at the time or were about to become big. Mm-hmm. Or you're just like, why are they, like scratching your head about like why they were in this movie? Um, it's also uh, writ. It, this shouldn't be a big deal, but it is written uh, by a woman, directed by a woman. Uh, at a time when unfortunately there wasn't like it's, it is infused with a very sort of with a lot of really interesting female characters mm-hmm. and there's a real kind of range of, of depth to them. I don't know. I, I it's, it's an interesting film. It's also uh, got Elvis Costello in it. The mm-hmm. second 99 movie that he, that he was in uh, Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me being um, the other one that he was in. Uh, and yeah, we've got a great guest. We've got Sean O'Connor coming on for it. He's a, a, comedy writer, stand-up comic. Um, and I think it's going to be a really fun episode. Just looking at the director, her name is Risa Brayman mm-hmm. Garcia. Yeah. Uh, she is a casting director by trade. Really? Which makes, yeah. Which makes sense. the cast. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Seriously. And you cast everything from Fatal Attraction to oh, wow. Desperately Seizing, Seeking Susan to JFK to Sneakers to oh, wow. Speed. Just on and on and on. You, we'll, we'll, wow. we'll run it through when we do this. But um, she's really directed two movies, one called The Con Artist I've Never Heard Of. And this. Hmm. So that's a cool – yeah, that's, that's kind really of a cool, cool. Little, little way into this movie too. And then, uh, yeah, I mean I think, I think it's, it's going to be really fun. I haven't seen the film in a long time. Watched the first five minutes the other night. I'm but very I'm, much I'm, I'm excited. It. It's going to be great. 
Okay. Awesome. And thank you so much for yeah, coming on. Will you come on again? I will absolutely come again. This is so much fun. Thank you for having of me. Course, of I'm course. so happy I got to come about like a a sort of little movie kind of people don't remember. Like anyone could say, Oh, I like the matrix. But yes. like, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Streak. And we yeah. are doing, I mean, not to, not to put you in a box, but we are doing TV too. We are. We are. And, oh, cool. um, we're doing all sorts of TV. There all are a lot of TV. really interesting debuts this year. So we can certainly, and we're doing the Omega code, which I know is one of your favorite films as well. Uh, I've not seen it actually. Talks <laughs> about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, are you going to do the Omega code? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, I, guess. I, have, so I have two copies sitting on my <laughs> okay. desk. I, I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> One for me, one for Phil. I'm ready Can't to wait. go. Whatever I'm ready. You are. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, you're on Twitter, right? Yes. What's of your What's your handle? Uh, I just have to spell it. I guess yeah. it's at a n as in Nancy, u p as in Peter, a m as in Michael, n as in Nancy, i g as in George, a m as in Michael. At Anupam Nigam. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This is something I do on the phone all the oh, time. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm at PM Miskov on uh, Instagram and Twitter. We are at podcast like 1999. Kenny is at Nybart. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, and thank you so much for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.